Marlena Dooley asking Seoul citizens to report for duty. Hey, greetings, greetings. Welcome back to Soul Citizens. I'm Griffin Gaming RPG. Thank you for joining us today. November the, what, uh, 19th? 19th. 19th. Yes, the 19th. Uh, we are chopping through the month of November, and we are in the middle of IAE, and we just got a raid from New Soul Sounds. New Soul Sounds, thank you for the party raid of four, kicking us off right at the very beginning. Hope you guys had an awesome, awesome, awesome stream, and we appreciate the Raiders who are here. Uh, we're just getting started, so let's introduce who we've got with us today. Uh, sitting to my right, your left, or my right and your left, whatever it is, PBG, Big Black Gaming. What's up, brother? How are you? Good to be here, Griff. Big Black Gaming everywhere, but right now, there's no place better to be than right here with the Soul Citizens. This is, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. It's always nice to have you here with us today. And uh, let's see, I'm gonna, I've gotta do some technical stuff here because my buddy Gio is back in, but I gotta get him into the stream. So let me hop over Gio, go to Yo Yo Meg. What's up, Yo Yo, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah. How are you doing, Griffin? Good, Yo You have actually <laughs> been the diehard amongst us. I got, I got Gio on top of your head right now. You have been the diehard. You have been here for Ooh. every show uh, thus far. You've done all of the uh, <laughs> Citizen Con shows, which is uh, pretty amazing. You've been you've been a trooper on this one. Yeah, I, just... I, I will say visually, I was very tired last week. That's why I apologize <laughs> for that. But I got a, I've got a lot more energy today. So yeah, believe me, it is okay. <laughs> excited to be here. We understand. Believe me, we understand. Let me ask you a question. I, I'm, this is going to be a real serious question. Did your attendance at CitizenCon kind of, is that what kind of motivated you to say, hey, I'm doing four and straight in a row? Because, you know, we all kind of take a show here and there, but you kind of decided on this particular topic to do all four shows. Is that kind of, because did that spring out of your attendance at CitizenCon? Or were you just I feeling really good for November? Say, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would think so, yeah. But it was like more or less for Star Citizen and more so like I feel... Um, not that I didn't feel comfortable before, but I feel so much more comfortable with the Soul Citizens. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just like a freaking blast to be able to come on the shows as much as I possibly can. So I, I, um, I have a life, you know, but I kind of don't have a life. Like I'm here. So mm -hmm. if I can be here and you all want me, I will be here. Um, yeah, I just love getting to talk about. And I, I was at CitizenCon, so okay. um, definitely a great time to hop on. So let me yep. let me translate what what Yo-Yo just said to y'all, okay? BBG and Gio, just so y'all know what she just said to us. It takes us to take her to a five-star restaurant and get steak. 
and then she feels comfortable enough to hang out with us. Is that what is that what it was? I, I, was it the steak dinner? The was it the steak way. dinner? I, I think, think that's what I heard. I think that's what I heard. I, I think, I think way, all right, so, no. so if y'all want to get in good <laughs> with, with yo-yo, you gotta start at a five-star restaurant. I want y'all to know that. That's how you go get her to that's smile. Right. Okay. Yeah. Gotta take that's me out right. to dinner first. <laughs> there you Let go. <laughs> no, no, it was it was great. Um, I can't. Um, I honestly can't help but say thank you, Omega Walt. Thank you for uh, that follow. I honestly can't say more, and I probably have not said it since we went to Citizen Con. Normally, when I go to Citizen Con, I have always gone previously to meet other backers. This was the first time I went to go meet with people I work with in the game which was an entirely different dynamic. Um, you know, I don't get me wrong, that first Friday night, I got to hang out and talk to content creators and talk to backers and talk to devs. But that second night, I got to go out and have dinner with these people. And that was like, just as good, if not better, to just sit down and have dinner and laugh and sit around the table with them. Um, because, you know, there's this weird thing about looking at people's faces on the screen, right, Gio? You know, you look at folks and you see them, but then when you meet them in person, it's an entirely different dynamic. And speaking, different speaking of entirely different dynamics, let me introduce Gio, <laughs> who is here, because he is definitely a different dynamic. <laughs> How you doing, brother? Yeah, yeah. Like you know what? Like you said, I, it was a definitely a different vibe. Because usually I go like I was solo, mm -hmm. but then it's like I know I'm meeting the soul citizens. Then I went with you to mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. which was already fun. And yep. then I don't know. It, it was just way different than the other citizen cons because I'm I'm actually with a group of people I actually know. Well, I I know I knew other creators and stuff like you said, but mm -hmm. um, we actually had a plan, a booth, like we was gonna kick it for sure. Like this is my group of people right here. Yeah, it was. Versus me going solo, I just be tagging along with everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, it was it was a different Wait, field this me, time. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you that the journey by train that you all took mm -hmm. and how you were documenting each step of the way, documenting the food, documenting <laughs> that dude behind you who was looking funny that you went and talked to him. Yeah. Right. That whole thing was, was it just gave the whole citizen kind experience another level. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, it was after you all started doing that, that the rest of us started telling our we're, hey, we're about to arrive stories, mm -hmm. but none of them were as compelling as the soul train. The soul train was tight. But, so <laughs> I appreciate both of y'all doing which, that. that by the time. way, my, the soul train vlog should be done this week. I was doing like all my other videos first. I'm going to have it done this week for y'all. So look, be on the lookout for soul train. I'm 80%, I'm 80% done. It is no joke going back and pulling footage and I still got to do my narration over mine, but I was surprised at how yeah. much stuff that was there. But you know what? It is funny that you say that, BBG, because when we were at the convention, and I don't know, Gio, if you had the same thing happen to you, but I had all these people asking me, how was the train ride? I'm like, how did all these people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I knew we were putting it on Twitter, but I was right. just surprised at the amount of people who were coming up to us and asking us about how was the train ride? You know, that, that seemed so cool. It was so different, you know? So Gio and I had a yeah. blast. I mean, we really did have a good time. It was People, I didn't even know. They was like, how was the train? I'm like... <laughs> okay, well, I don't know how you saw me doing. I don't even know you. Okay, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> definitely different. I want to do it every time now. Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> a different, a different kind of thing. So, anyway, y'all can look forward to me and Geo's videos coming out. We're gonna drop those in a little bit. In the meantime, Ooh, we, we are picking up again uh, in our third week of sessions on um, Citizen Con twenty nine fifty three. This week we're doing two uh, sessions: session uh, on life in the first person and taking flight. Session six and seven. We're going to be culminating next week with sessions eight and nine, the last two sessions for it. Um, but this week we want to hit these. Every one of these sessions has been amazing. And um, 
Gio, I'm going to start with you because you have been to Citizen Cons before. Thrakazog, as always, thank you for that sub. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate thank you. you Thrakazog, thank you very much. Thrakazog subs, he don't sub monthly, subs weekly. <laughs> I think that brother's name comes up every week. Um, let's see. Um, nice. Gio, since you've been to the cons before, mm. And you've seen a lot of the presentations, not only the ones that we've gone to in person, but you've also watched over the years, the different ones when they were in the UK and everything else. If there was right. one thing in particular, just one thing that you would say about this one that maybe stood out from previous cons, what would it be for you? People, presentation, staff, um, the party, what stuck out for you? Uh, uh, I would say probably the, the organization of the panels mm. more than anything. It seems like they just hit their stride and knew what they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. They didn't smash everything to one big demo mm -hmm. and, and shows like, oh, this is gonna come. It was like multiple demos, what we're trying to achieve and everything seemed like it was doable within the next two years. I didn't see anything like, oh, hey, that ain't gonna come out to like another four or five years. Mm. It seemed it seemed realistic, even I'm pretty sure they want to show us that stuff from far away, mm -hmm. but they gotta, they gotta tone it in because we got those people who get real pissed when mm -hmm. they see stuff too far out so I, I i think the organization of the panels mm -hmm. and the demos and every from what i saw it mm -hmm. looked like everything ran smooth from home usually there's like a big hiccup or a glitch mm -hmm. it wasn't really any of that uh this year mm -hmm. yeah meg what about you what was something for you that stood them out teamsters, them teamsters don't play hey you know <laughs> that's the truth meg for you what was the one thing that you know your first time going but what stood out to you because i'm sure you You've seen the videos before, but I'm also sure you were also unsure of like what CitizenCon would be like. So for you, what was it for first time that really stood out? Mm, I think for me, um, uh, is this anything? Mm -hmm. Is anything, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. For me, it was um, shockingly, I don't know why, I thought it was going to be very clicky. Mm. which it could have appeared that way, but mm. there was never a time where I felt like I couldn't, um, or that I wasn't like invited into a group, like in all the lines that I stood in, mm -hmm. it felt like people were like opening up circles mm. for you to like feel involved in their conversation. Mm. Um, so like, whereas it could be a really, which I mean, still like there are levels to like social anxiety and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I get very socially anxious and I'm, I'm a huge introvert. I get drained so quickly, but I didn't get mm -hmm. drained until Sunday, like noon, around noon on Sunday, mm -hmm. which is wild. Like I should have been drained as soon as I entered that building. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone, everything just felt so like genuine mm -hmm. and the community, people you didn't know, um, it felt like you did. Um, everyone was just so nice and I, I don't know, uh, I, I'm probably like butchering the explanation, but no, you're the not. community for mm -hmm. sure was top tier. Um, yeah, you never felt like you've, not involved. You've expressed social anxiety concerns about it in the past, and I don't think anybody that met you that weekend, you were a pro. I mean, I, I I watched you greet and talk with people, and people come up to you and talk, and I, I'm I'm glad that uh, you felt like that openness was there because it is, you know, especially yeah. when the first time you go to something and you hear all the veterans who've been, you know, it's very easy to think, well, man, who am I going to know when I go there? But uh, like you mm -hmm. said, it was a very open welcoming group of people you know that's, a, that's it really a was great observation yeah, great yeah. Observation. so i i highly recommend it to anybody who didn't want to go mm -hmm. based off of stuff like that i i still highly recommend going to a citizen con in the future um definitely don't let that deter you from going because i promise you even if it's like the soul citizens like we will make you feel welcome um mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
It's good stuff. Completely, completely different vibe from Spectrum and Reddit. Don't <laughs> people people look at that and think that's the community? No, no, no. P- mm-hmm. People that be there are so genuine. They don't act nothing like those fools on the Reddit and Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, BBG, your first time as well. If there was something for you that stood out yeah. again, I know I've been asking this each week, but if you could pick something different for you, what was it this time? Yeah, I mean, I would probably amplify a bit of what Meg said in that, you know, the vibe was that of overall positivity, mm-hmm. right? And there were lots of points in which you got to experience that. One of the, one of the most, you know, obviously the soul, spinning at the soul citizens table uh, was sort of a nexus for that, for me. You know, we, people came to the table and said things like, wow, oh, man, just so thankful for y'all, uh, really appreciate y'all. Um, but it was also anytime I got into a line anywhere, where there's a line for food or a line for merch, mm-hmm. people wanted to talk, you know, and it was almost as if two years of COVID, people were <laughs> in their own heads at home mm-hmm. about a lot of their ideas. And they finally got to get in front of another human being and start just talking about this thing and sharing mm-hmm. about this thing. And I was able to share back and, and you know, you, you had these, these, these interesting, quick, intense dialogues with people that were all positive and, and exciting. And, and, um, it was, I was experiencing and I was watching other people experience, wow, there really is a community of real human beings out here who share the same passion that I have. Um, uh, the last thing I'll say is Griff, Griff had me, um, uh, going from the table to intercept and grab CIG devs and leadership and bring them over because we were signing something for uh, Star Jump Grimm and the posters. Um, and one of the best experiences I had was doing that and having everybody on the CIG side be so gracious, mm. right? These folks had put this thing together. You know, you, we all saw the, uh, the ISC behind the scenes. They were exhausted just getting to day one, right? <laughs> And they were so gracious. I mean, Todd Pappy, Brian Chambers, James from Design, everybody that everybody that you stopped and asked to come over, you know, they were like, "Dad, no problem, man. How are you? And and what's your name? And and yeah, I was happy to come over. Where's the table?" And walked over. And it was just just so gracious, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, you know. Sometimes you you meet your heroes, right? And they are not what you expect, yeah. right? But these guys, I think, blew me away with how gracious and excited they were um, to engage with us. And so that was just really, really pleasant and enjoyable. Yeah. yeah um, every time, you know, I don't think there's ever been an experience. I've never heard anybody ever say that they went to talk to somebody from CIG and the people seemed disinterested or blew them off or was too busy to talk, you know, which is, like you said, amazing considering all that went on that weekend. Um, the fact that you do get those moments to connect, whether it's at the bar citizen or whether it's doing the event itself, you know, many of them are working. I think the only person who honestly was, you couldn't talk to them was probably disco. And that's because he was just all over the place. You know, he was working and hustling. It wasn't for the lack of not wanting to stop and talk to people, but he was working. Um, but yeah, great, great experience as always at citizen kind. All right, guys, we're going to jump into it. I just wanted to give you guys a little opening to Citizen Kind, as always. Um, and then we're going to get into it. This first uh, episode we're watching is um, Life in the First Person. Um, I know you guys, have, many of you guys have already seen this, but we're doing this as a review to give us some things to uh, talk about. And um, throw your thoughts in the chat, because we're going to be reading chat while we're doing this as well. So uh, here we go. 
Hello, everyone. You know, it's a. Am I too early? No. It's a real pleasure to be here at CitizenCon in person. I've had so much fun. Thank you all. Uh, but my name is Jens, and I'm here from Manchester. And I'm going to talk to you about some improvements to play traversal. So we're going to start in CRG, where we've been rebuilding the EVA experience from ground up. So the first thing you should see is that we've made the uh, exit from gravity less disorientating. <laughs> oh, we got a face plant. Ah, uh, we made it. All right, so we made the re-entry much more forgiving. Um, so this uh, EVA has a new prone lateral pose, and this is really important to us because it allows us to get close to surfaces and it allows us to walk across them. So we can see that in this video here. Okay, and as it goes to the end, we're going to jump off. Okay, here we go into that. And this smaller profile lets us get into spaces we couldn't get into before or not easily with the old EVA. We're going to traverse through here, thread the needle. And also, the collision is much more forgiving. We're going to slide off at slower speeds, so we're not going to be spinning away. Okay, big reveal. Love this station. This is amazing. And we're also adding grips. So in the interiors, you might be able to hold on to grips to do interactions and walk between the grips to get better control. Uh, now I... I'm going to stop there for a second. Can you pause real quick? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah. All right, you go ahead. Well, I got to get Gio's picture in. Go ahead. I'll work on Gio's picture. Go ahead. I like being blank. No, I was just going <laughs> to say, and I said a bit of this um, in the chat, I, you know, that, that turning movement that we saw there and saw mm -hmm. in the Squadron 42 video through EVA, EVA just felt very <laughs> graceful to me. Mm -hmm. And God, God bless your grip. But the... Uh, the other side of that is remember that we saw some of this in that segment that Chris Roberts and uh, the other Squadron 42 lead. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. Brian. Um, yeah, Brian, when they showed, when they were with um, Jared, mm -hmm. they showed us EVA, how it was evolving. Um, and so this for me is like, all right, another example of how development of Squadron 42 is informing and impacting the persistent universe. And it looks great. It feels better. Um, I don't know how many people spend a lot of time in EVA, um, but the positioning, uh, the ingress and egress all had, for me, deteriorated. And so this is a nice, solid refresh. Um, uh, uh, Jesse Jade in the chat, like head first EVA better be just an option. I, I hope so too. I hope that we can configure multiple ways in EVA. Um, but certainly um, not having the option of being horizontal and then putting my hands down, doing that magnetized walk. I like that a lot. And I think that's going to enter into the ability to do certain missions. And we're seeing more and more of these alternate entrances and secret spaces and alternate loot options that you may be only only able to get to if you do those types of things. So I'm excited for all that. Now you you hit where I was going to go. It was just going to be mentioning just the evolution of what we saw from the first time to the tier zero to when they said this is what we would like to do, and now they're saying this is what we're doing. 
you know, which is great. That's what Gio was saying earlier. It's no more about what's coming two, three years down the line. It's now about this is where we are right now. We've got it. You know, so it's good stuff. Well, it's unfortunate we can't use this in um, what's that? Say the ball because say the ball is not a thing no more. I'm sad. Yeah, well, he says that for right now, but you never know with CIG, right? <laughs> if they bring in the future, cool. Oh, yeah. If they just yeah. ax it completely, I'm going to be very yeah. sad. I think I, this will be say so the ball cool. feel like say the ball feels like one of them things, like the racetrack that we got. Yeah. Um, yeah. like you just get a dev that gets a uh uh some energy on the weekend, yeah. And you might end up with state of ball back like like that. It, I feel like it could happen like that. I want that mode so bad, it looks so fun, especially yeah. with the new EVA mechanics. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, Jay <laughs> Jay just said what I was gonna say, which is that it is in lore, and that's the one thing that we do have mm -hmm. to our advantage. It's definitely tied in with things with the band new, and it's definitely it's just not a priority, you know. And I know people keep asking mm -hmm. about it. But we know that things like recreation and stuff are things that CIG is going to want to put in the game at some point. It's just, you know, to have State of Ball right now would just be like, you know, it'd be in there. But it's got to be meaningful. And I think once it's meaningful, uh, it'll 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 happen. So, but we'll see. You know, there's, there's always possibilities. Thank you very much. So now prone has long been a problem motion set for us, right? But... But taking these EVA posting solutions we absorbed, this is we can now cool. rotate <clears throat> around the camera without any transla lateral translation. So we're not rotating around the hips anymore. And it allows you to aim much better. We're also not moving the body. So we don't need to worry about the external Look at that. positions anymore. That's good. Right? We're not going to get pushed around. Hell yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Of course, prone isn't all about looking around. We want to traverse as well. So we're going to head down this vent. And here we put in a new collision style. So this is all about letting you have control in narrow, small spaces, smaller than this. Uh, we're going to be able to push around the corners, we're going to go run tight bends, and we're going to be able to reliably go up and down slopes. Uh, and this is where prone led the way. So we then took this and we put it into the EVA. So if I turn off gravity here, which I'm not going to do, but if I did, the EVA would have been able to traverse the exact same place. Nice. And by having the these motion sets so similar, we can exchange success between them. And this could then be done to other horizontal sets, like prone light sets, for example, like the water wheel showed it last, um, yesterday. We might be able to take you swimming there one day. So. Okay, we're gonna move from the horizontal to the vertical. So with ladders, we put in some new subtle and significant improvements. So we got midpoint markups. That lets you enter the ladder is anywhere. I'm digging that. Gonna let you look around. You can do 360s. Is that common in games? Can I let you leave? No. No, there are, I have played some game that does where you like the jumping onto the ladder thing, like you can jump on anywhere. But that turning and being able to look like that, I haven't think, I, I'm sure there's maybe some game out there, but I haven't seen that yet. On the ladder, I, know, so I have can... not experienced a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on Cyberpunk, oh, he was doing the T-pose when I first launched on the ladder. And it's all got a full new animation set. It looks amazing, especially with all this beautiful star cloth. You know, you got both, both the hood and the cape there. Uh, it looks amazing. 
Um, okay, so with combat, we wanted to add more speed to the encounters. So what we've done is we've removed the weapon penalty, so you can move at the same speed Tomb Raider. without okay. the weapon out. Thanks, Blackwater Goat. Tomb Raider hand. We've That's right. That's what it was in the Tomb Raider. You're right. You'll be able to push up to your desired speed faster. And this is already in 321, and we've got more things like this to come. So, Griff, when he says that locomotive speed management is already in the game, have people experienced it that way? To be honest with you, I haven't tried I have to not it. seen... Well, I've been running around stations, right? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I use my mouse wheel to, to up that, that locomotive speed. I have not... Oh, with gamepad, you are experiencing it, Jade says. Ooh. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad it is in the game, but I didn't feel that much of a relative difference. Mm -hmm. um, and I noted that they said, oh, that's already in the game. Yeah. 3.21, so. I noticed I that there was something with movement that felt kind of sluggish to me, and I thought maybe it was just me. But, you know, sometimes depending on what you're wearing, armor sets and everything can also make you feel that way. Could it be that's something right. that maybe we just needed to go in and do for science and see? You know, see if that if if it is if it's gamepad, that's cool. But I, uh, I I don't know to be honest with you. So I didn't just want to talk about improvements. I've hinted at swimming, but I'm going to show you a different feature, right? So sliding. So with the power slide, you inject a burst of speed. Ooh. This doesn't take, just take you from A to B faster. You're going to have a reduced profile. You become a smaller target. Uh, it doesn't come for free. You know, you're sprinting, so that's going to cost you stamina. You're sliding, that's going to add some stamina cost. And when I do it back to back like this, my heart rate is just pumping, 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 right? So you got to be a bit careful. You can't just slide your, your whole way from the hubs to the uh, spaceport. Let me stop this for a second here. You know, the, yes. this thing about stamina and everything, I'm, they haven't built it in yet. But I am curious. Some of you guys will remember back in the day when we had heavy armor and you could outstamina yourself to a point where you had a heart attack and died in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I so, like that. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, but I am That's curious. Yeah, I am curious to see what, what happens with performance. So when your stamina gets too much, you know, you, you, you can only do so many power slides. Or if you do the power slide, are you not able to run as fast? It takes a little while before your energy builds back up. I'm really curious to see how they're going to balance all that out because it's going to alleviate a lot of the things that we see happen in fpf's games like bunny hopping and stuff like that because you'll wear yourself out and won't be able to do squat so i'm hoping that they really do develop out this stamina thing um i know they've talked about things that you'll be able to do later that when you do certain activities you'll build up certain levels of skill but i but i don't think right. that's going to impact this when they have this stamina system um, yeah, Blackwater Go that. gets to my concern about this. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, Blackwater Go gets to my concern about this, which mm -hmm. is my preference. And I've said this once before, but I just want to say it here and, and continue mm -hmm. to amplify it to CIG. Yeah. Um, they're going to do what they want, but I, I, I would love to see slidable surfaces and non-slidable surfaces as mm -hmm. well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it adds another level of gameplay and consideration of the player that like, if you go to slide, and the surface is rough grates yeah. or stone or something that you actually, you know, fall on your face, yeah. right? Take a little injury, take a little step, <clears> because everything, I don't want everything to be sliding everywhere all the time. Yeah. Right? I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be getting nightmares of cod yeah. uh, up in this piece. Yeah. You want, um, you want some asphalt burns uh, or something like that when you uh, slide. I yeah. Guess. Like <laughs> some, some surfaces are slideable and some surfaces are not. Yeah. Right? yeah. And 
And then it becomes strategy, right? Particularly if you have a mix of those surfaces in any combat space. Then right. it's like, all right, well, I could slide here, but I have to do something else over here. That combined with what you were talking about mm -hmm. um, with regard to stamina and making that real, yeah. that bunny hopping, bunny jumping, bunny laterals and sliding. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you can't move because you're exhausted, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Makes it a lot more strategic, yep. right? And I and I and that's what we want, I think, for our games. So. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, I never, this is the only thing I did not like as this kind of, well, it was two things. This and then the scanning thing seems a little too uh, easy mode. But mm -hmm. and any game mm -hmm. I've seen with sliding, mm -hmm. I've never seen it done right. Yeah. And I'm trusting CIG gets right because right. Mm -hmm. it's one of the most annoying game mechanics. It's just it's just annoying when people spam the hell out of it. I know they say standable, <laughs> but this video right here, mm -hmm. he just, just did a quick boom, pop out three. Mm -hmm. You could shoot tear people up real quick. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I just I prefer not in my FPS games to be honest. Yeah. Well, like you said, we'll yeah, have to see that they get it right. That's the that's yeah. gonna be the trick. Go ahead, Meg. No, no, I was just gonna say, like, he does do it back to back. I don't like that it's that fast that you can do it back to back. Mm -hmm like that may or may not be as realistic like you being able to run that fast and then slide again mm -hmm. you think you need to take a little more time but i mean yeah it's gonna screw your stamina so if you are spamming then you're yeah. not gonna be able to move at all like um what big black was saying yeah especially now if you're in like, heavy armor too if you're in heavy yeah. armor you should be like a, a, a like a little truck sliding across the floor like or you can't throw. slide at all like <laughs> you're yeah, just stop right. in place yeah. you just crouch yeah. Right. Well, and, and this is the type of stuff right. that, first of all, CIG needs to hear. And secondly, that CIG will tweak because we're just seeing the introduction of it. Right. And let's just hope, like you said, Gio, that they get it right. Because we've seen the mechanic before. The question is, can they get it right, you know, and balance it out? And, you know, Chris is all about the realism thing. So hopefully that will be the stuff that you guys are raising are really good points about bringing these type of combat F fps mechanics into the game and i think they're i think they'll get it right but because i know the, the community's going to definitely holler no matter what you know whichever way they go so okay so another thing that is really important to us is that with the slide it's a short duration but we want interactivity as soon as possible and See? that's true for all our motion sets we're going to go through all of them and give you interactivity uh so with the slide we want you to be able to aim around as soon as possible the moment you hit the ground you're going to be able to aim around all right and the direction is locked, so if I was to slide from one end of the stage to the other, I would be sliding this way, but I'd be looking this way, right? And look at you guys, hey. Uh, but while I'm sliding, I can hip fire. And as I come out in the exit, I can ADS, I can lean. I could go back to sprint right away, so I could do back-to-back -back, uh, slides, uh, like we saw in the last video. <laughs> okay, so moving beyond uh, traversal, just to finish this section, I want to talk about a new hazard. Now, you saw, saw this uh, yesterday in the UI demo. Um, I lost my spot. Bone, can you press the button? That's Bone. It. Okay, radiation. I right, so radiation. It's <laughs> a new addition to this active status system. And we, look, we, get, we need to look at the uh, bottom left here. So in the middle, you got the amount of radiation that, uh, being pushed on your body. If you have a directional source, it's based on your body surface and your distance to that source. So by going behind the cover here, I can completely cut off all the radiation. So I can use that. And then on the, on the left, we have an icon that has a shield around it. Now, that shield works in two ways. First of all, it comes from your outfit. So depending on what you're wearing, you're going to have a better or, or, or less accurate shield, right? Uh, it has a threshold. As long as your radiation doesn't exceed the threshold, the shield will hold true. It'll scrub all the radiation off and you can stay there as long as you like. Mm -hmm. 
But as the uh, shield starts uh, peeling off, the and when the radiation gets higher, the shield will peel off. And you know, the radiation ki sickness kicks in right at the end of the video here. And the, my health just deteriorates super, super quick. Um, so yeah, that's not great. Okay, so we're gonna see some more radiation in the, in the next, game, uh, next section. So I, I would like to welcome Inesh up on the stage. Thank you. Quick question. Did any of you guys ever use those radiation pans when you were in pyro testing? I had them with me, but I don't think I ever used them. Because you wake Never up with time. them. Yeah, you wake up with them on you when you wake up in the uh, hab. And I was just curious. I was, I was like, oh, wow, what is this? Okay, just curious. And, I, I mean, I, I, what, what's exciting about radiation is that you can have radiation sources a lot of different places, mm -hmm. right? Um, when we think about, I mean, Jade would be uh, better at talking about all the different ways in which we might suffer radiation if we're not prepared. Right, so I like the idea of pens. I like the idea of shielding. I like the idea of armor choices, all impacting, giving strengths and weaknesses in certain areas. I'd like them to go beyond what I see here with radiation sources in rooms. I'd like to see radiation sources if I get out and I'm too close to the sun and I EVA or whatever. Yeah. Right? I'd like to see a lot more of that. I remember earlier this year, Disco mentioned about that they were working on the radiation suits. And I wanna see even radiation coming on your ships. If you get a problem with your, you know, your right. quantum drive or something, that there may be some concerns about radiation from something like that, even. Um, yeah, all that it becomes everybody's gameplay generally <clears throat> and engineering in particular, yeah. right? Cargo, yeah. you know, is another factor, right? You carry in some cargo or something like that that's volatile. Uh, we've had stuff that's explosive, but we haven't had things that maybe that are, you know, putting out some form of radiation. Got to have the right type of right. suit to even load the stuff up. I don't know, it's all types of cool stuff that they could come up with and do. Natural radioactive elements, absolutely. Why are we showing that? Okay. Uh, hello everyone, my name is Ines, and I'm a gameplay programmer here at CIG. And I'm here today to tell you all about... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, and I'm here today to tell you all about the features we've been working on to improve the player interaction experience with the physical objects in the world. So let me start by telling you what we've made to make it easy for you to identify and interact with these objects in the world. We have introduced in the new uh, attraction prompts, which are AR cards that appear over the objects as the player gets near them. This, combining with scanning, will help the player to easily identify the interactable objects in the scene. So we have improved the algorithm that our interaction system uses to determine the current item in focus. So you'll have a smarter detection and selection as you move around and look around the scene. So the prompts will show you the active interaction and the key bind that you can use to quickly trigger it, like you see on the pictures. So we are trying to minimize the friction of the player to interacting with these objects. You no longer have to go into interaction mode to bring up the cursor, then drag it over and to select using the inner thoughts. So we're removing that. <laughs> So what happens if an object has more than one interaction? Well, for that, you can just simply hold the old half and this will bring you the new interaction wheel. 
So this is our new interaction wheel. It will be focusing on the item. And you can see that up to two of the interactions have a star icon. So this is related to another system that you are bringing to you that we call in the default item actions. So this is allows us to have a primary interaction, that's the one that shows on the prompt, and a secondary interaction. So these are default actions that you can easily trigger using shortcuts. So this change, these actions will change based on the combination of the item, the player, and the environment state. And although designers do choose the default actions that we bring to you, you are fully able to customize them to fit your preferences and playing style. So let's take a look at this in action. Here you can see the prompts that change depending on your focus. So that let's bring up the wheel. And you know, I really like my plushies, so I want to inspect them when I find them around. So I'm changing that to my primary. And you'll see that does not affect only the item they are interacting with, but any item that falls into the same category. Go next. Okay. So I've shown you some features that improve. <laughs> Thank you. So I've shown you features that improve the readability and easiness of interacting with the objects in the world. But the other part of our focus was to bridge the disconnection between the player and the object you are interacting with. In a fully physicalized world that we want to provide you, a tactile experience is very important to sell the experience. So we've introduced a new system that allows us to play animations on the player of actually reaching out and physically touch the objects in the world. Yeah. <laughs> So our main goal was to give you a better immersion, but at the same time, minimizing the friction and the control we take away from you. So this really was an exercise between code, design, and animation to give you the best experience possible. Let's see some of this in action. And you know, pressing buttons has never been so satisfying and fun. <laughs> There's a certain space game that I would say really didn't have this in it. This is actually very cool. I mean, I this is very satisfying it. and fun. I, I'm happy and, and enjoying her do it. I can't wait to do it. I was nervous that um, the animation would take way too long. Mm. It would kill some time, but I think it's perfect. Yeah, I think they were conscious of that as they did it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it can't take any time. It's got to be just as almost as quick as pressing the button. Okay, so let's continue with this theme of tactile experiences. The next thing I want to talk to you about are usable interactables. So usables are objects that have existed in our game for a very long time. And you know, designers have had a variety of tools to build these really interesting and complex sequences for the AI. But up until now, what we could do for the player was fairly limited. So this past year, we've been building up our tools that provided for designers that designers could build these really interactive experiences before the player. And the advantage of using the usable system is that anything that the player would be able to do, the AI will also be able to do. So let's have a look of a simple demo that one of our designers put together to see what we can now achieve. So in this scenario... Hey, let me stop for a second. Grim Reaper, you mentioned an interesting point. You said, I can see this being a problem at some point, like your arm getting stuck out after interacting with the button. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
I know. I so, bet you money that'll be something like that will be part of the development process. You know, Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm actually laughing because I know you put a laugh behind that, but let's say that there's a different mm. scenario because they've shown us that later on, we're going to have situations where your arm can get broken. So right. if you can't use your arm, I'm wondering whether CIG will make something like literally, if you can't raise your arm up to push the button, will they make it so that your other hand will do it? I'm just kind of curious because they said that they showed how later on, if you get a broken limb or something, you can't walk or you can't even hold a rifle. Maybe they won't go to that degree with pushing a button, but I'd be really interested if they do that Grim Reaper. We'll have to see. So the player has to go forward and but can't go for it because of the toxic water. So you have to go over to the valve to turn off the water. So before we could maybe play a simple animation when you interact it, but now designers can give full manual control to you. So you, by pressing specific inputs, you will be driving the system. So, but this is not enough. We needed to be able to give designers a way to translate what the player is currently doing and affect other objects in the world in specific ways. So this is what is happening here, as the player is turning the valve, is controlling the flow of the water that's coming from the pipes. And what should happen when the player is no longer in control? Do we want to keep the state, revert back to the initial one, or maybe trigger something else altogether? Well, it's up to designers to de define the type of experience they want to bring to you. So let's finally turn off the turn off our valve. Rush over before that Run! broken valve starts turning off, and then see another small example. It comes back on. Oh, let's go. So, you know yeah, something like that is in Squadron 42 right now. You won't oh, yeah. be able to open the door oh, by yeah. a press of a button, but you have to manually interact with that pump and manually open it. So, you'll have to time your inputs to slowly open the door. So this is just a small taste of the level of interactivity that we can now have with these objects. We had really nice results for Squadron, for the mess hall line, and you know, I can't wait to see what the PU designers will create and bring up to your hands. Thank you. Okay. Let's quickly talk about kiosks and terminals. And let's be honest, it's really hard to interact and get a good view of these ones. So we have created, we made small little changes to make it easier for you. We've created a new focus mode that will walk the player to perfectly align with the kiosks. So we can better perfectly frame the, uh, the screen on the viewport. At this point, the interactive screen will steal the input focus until you actively choose to leave. So let's take a look at this in action. And look at that when you trigger it and like. Nice. Uh, yeah. She, so this she is wanted a more reaction from the crowd on that one. Yeah. But it will make it much easier for you to interact with this skill. That it is, is definitely it is nice. a quality of life feature. Right I know. Fi so finally, let's talk about looting. This is our new looting screen. It's not replacing the inventory, but it will be used when you're looting a body or any other lootable in that you find in the world. It was specifically designed to improve this experience. So since looting is a common action during FPS combat, we, especially if you haven't fully prepared ahead, we wanted to make it as easier and quick as possible. So you could spend the minimum amount of time to grab any items you need from your target. 
So it displays the current loadout and a simplified version of the inventory. Looting favors speediness, while the inventory is there so you can fully manage your loadout. So we're still actively working on it, and this is especially on the UI and art, but I want to give you a little sneak peek how this all works. Okay, let's go over to divergence. So you see the, the player loader is on uh, items around the bottom, the target is on the top. You, you can over, if you hover the different widgets, you'll see a tooltip that with the different quick actions you can do. You can just simple press. <laughs> yeah, it'll be so much easier. So yeah, you can quickly press to just equip or swap. You can even use your mouse wheel if you want to change the target. You can uh, yeah, drop anything, swap, store anything, just really quick actions. And you'll see in a minute that we also can trigger ammo repooling. So this will grab all available ammo, either from your target or from your inventory, and will fill up the magazines in your loadout and drop and get rid of an, any empty magazines. So yeah, it's looking really good. Yeah, so it's looking really good, and I can't wait to see the final art. So that's all from me. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a great time. You know, it was funny. Um, as they've been interviewing, Disco's been interviewing the folks on SCL the past couple of weeks and getting their post-convention reactions to how the devs felt. It's funny to hear how all of them were very nervous and, uh, you know... <laughs> Because them going in front of an audience and speaking is not their thing. But I yeah. think they all did a great job. I, I think that yeah. they yeah, did great I think great they did great. Yeah. Couldn't even tell you it was nervous. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. There's mm -hmm. only, I think, one person that you could, like, you could hear in their voice. But, mm -hmm. yeah, these yeah. people are used to sitting behind desks. Yeah. Yeah, you stand Like, I know it all 000. too well. I, yeah, that's... <laughs> and then, like, not even that, but if they did know, I mean, tens of thousands of people are on watching. Twitch. Yeah. You know? Like, dang. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. I hate public speaking, but I can speak on camera fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hello, everyone. I, I was very impressed. Just really quick, I was very my... impressed with the, the uh, inventory system. Mm. I, it doesn't, it feels like it's 90, 85% of the way there, mm -hmm. um, but much better system than mm. what we have now. I can't wait to get a hold of it. Yeah. yeah agreed. Definitely. Also, Jared did say something. Uh, sorry, is it extra? Um, hopefully there's a button to open full inventory to get the clothes and stuff. Yeah, we didn't see that. So I'm interested in seeing what that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. How they made that better, if it, it did. It would be good to see, yeah. And I'm now going to talk to you about some changes we made to our stealth gameplay. And I'm going to give you an update on weaponware. Right, so takedowns is an important part of our uh, stealth encounters. So this is where we're going to add some player, player skill progression. So kind of move you through different action sets. You're going to start off by struggling. You might fail. Of course, this will this sort of added time and the extra noise you're making is really going to increase the, increase the risk of detection. You're going to get faster the more you do it. And then you're going to reach maximum efficiency. Check this one out. So he's so fast, you can barely see him do it. And then he guides the body to the floor. So he makes almost no noise. Right. Um, we're going to explore some more variation beyond our unarmed and our knife takedowns, like sedative injection pens and contextual takedowns. So this guy on the railing here, let's see what we can do about him. This is pretty cool. 
So by using the environment, we can make a more, we can do a more efficient takedown than maybe our skill level would have allowed. And it certainly looks a lot cooler. And we're going to be able to use this to get to enemies that might be otherwise difficult to, to get to with our normal takedowns, like a pilot strapped into his pilot seat, you know, sneak up on him and take him out. <laughs> okay, yeah, so like uh, in uh, that last video, we incapacitated that enemy uh, a lot. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to a new weapon, a new item, sorry, and that's the restraints. So Let me stop here, too. The other thing that I like that they're introducing finally are non-lethal means yeah. of securing people. Restraints? Okay, let's take him down for it. Yeah, like he said sedative hands, didn't he? Yeah, he but did. didn't show it. Oh. Yeah, he did. Okay, so with the restraints, we're going to turn him over. We're going to cuff his hands. We're going to cuff his legs. <laughs> At this point, I was like, are we going to get Bounty Hunting 2.0? Are they going to talk about it? Are they going to talk about it? <laughs> now, if he did. wakes up, right. he can't chase us down, right? Part of it. But he could call out for help. So what we're going to do as well is we're going to add places in the environment where you can stash a body. You can hide them, either unconscious or dead. And there were, that way, it should be easier to remain undetected and keep you in that stealth bubble. Um, now, this is another thing we talked about in the UI demo. Uh, which is the ping, and we saw it in Inesh's presentation, how she did a short ping to highlight a, a door pump. Now, of course, we, we, we allow you now to charge up that ping, and by doing so, we can see further, and we can see through obstacles, and we can populate more information into our data bank that then uh, shows up in our um, box outs here. So you get the name, and you maybe get the race, and maybe the faction, uh, and you can use this information to figure out where where is the weak link? Which enemies can I take down without being discovered? Um, there's a risk here, okay? So there's a charge up time. means you can't do it all the time. It's going to recharge slowly. You see the bar at the top slowly going down. Until that goes all the way down, I can't ping. I can't even do a short ping. And it's going to spike my emissions uh, or my signature. Uh, so an enemy with the right equipment or tech level might discover me. Um, okay, so... Let's move on. Let me stop there, uh, Gio, because I'm like you. I've always kind of said, I don't want the game to ever give us what I what some people call x-ray vision, right? Um, I don't mind the advancement in technology in the future of doing a ping, and it gives you a, a flash, and then it dissipates, and then there's a while before you can do it again. In other words, you have to be really judicious about when you want to use it. You know what I mean? You can't just keep doing, which they said, they, they, there is going to be a charge up time, but I don't want it to be where somebody can ping, ping, and they can literally stay in a fight and just constantly ping and see where everybody's at. If you're going to do it, it should definitely set off. Like you said, you're taking a risk of it being detected. And then when you do it, maybe once you've done it, you can't do it for another, I'm not trying to be fine. I know some people will hate when I say this, but like one minute, two minutes, two minutes, two, well, yeah, well, I wouldn't go that long. But I'm just saying, two two minutes of firefighting, three minutes of firefighting. You know what I'm saying? If you're if you're in the midst of something, you just want to see positions. But once you start doing stuff and they start moving around, I don't want to be able to see people actually moving around. I know some people want that type of gameplay, but that reduces the challenge for me tremendously. I don't know what do you guys. Jared talked. Jared talked about this. Sorry, you were you were asking Geo. So let me. Uh, well, I was just mentioning it because Geo mentioned it earlier. But anybody who wants to jump in, yeah. jump in. How do you guys feel about the ping thing? Go ahead, BBG. I'm going to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump in. 
Um, Jared talked a little bit about this from his perspective in Star Citizen Live, and he talked about right. it from the perspective of the Arkham games mm -hmm. and how you had these beautiful Gotham environments, but nobody was looking at them. They were always in detective mode mm -hmm. because detective mode was the most useful exactly. mode. And that was my experience in those games. Mm -hmm. I almost seldom, I seldom came out of detective mode. And then you realize I'm not even looking at the game anymore. Right. Right. So I hope that there is a lot of tension mm -hmm. at CIG. You built out these incredible environments. Mm -hmm. Don't add this feature so that people are ping, 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 ping. And now that's all they're looking at. Yeah. Right. Um, keep it, keep it human enough that we got to look around. We can get some assistance, but there's a real cost to doing it. Right. So mm -hmm. I want to cost a passive ping. And I definitely want to talk about the cost of mm -hmm. extended ping, but I want to cost to passive ping, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then the skill set is how can I do this without pinging at all? Because I can't afford any of these costs, right? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't like getting all the information from the ping. I, that's not, that's not what I want. Yeah. Right. So hopefully be, they don't do it. It'll be curious to see if they give us as players something other than NPCs, but gives us something to counter the ping too. You know, maybe there's something you buy, you know, they were just showing us all these little mm -hmm. pouches and packets we can put on. Yep. Maybe there's some device that we buy that when it, if a ping fires off, it may not give us a direction, but it does let us know somebody's in the area that pinged us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you, you've got to pay for it to get it, but you get it and yeah. you carry it with you. You know, we're going to say, Mac. There's definitely a game that I've played where if you do something like that, you give away your own position. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's what you were saying, BBG, but. I feel like that definitely, especially like, because I feel like a lot of the stuff we're seeing mm -hmm. is very NPC, PVE. Mm -hmm. But what happens when like real players right. are using this technology? Right. Um, so yeah, being right. able to combat that, but also like, yeah, just like you having the best ship weapons and mm -hmm. it's going to like bump up your, is it IR? Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. should, should do that whenever you're yeah. you're using this technology um, on foot too. So yeah. definitely excited to see what that looks like. Yep, yep. Yeah, I like in some games I've played where you actually had drones that you would have to plot and you could mark an area where they were at. Mm -hmm. And it, but it wouldn't like really trace them and scan their whole area like this. It would just remember the last spot that you would mark. Mm -hmm. Or even in like Rainbow Six, you had a little drone, you could drive around. But once they see that thing, <laughs> they shoot you. And they're not gonna, it's not gonna keep the, the room mapped out in nice mm -hmm. colors. You can see the x ray of them, of where their bodies hit. Mm -hmm. um, single player, I'm not gonna mind as much. But mm -hmm. in multiplayer, mm -hmm. players always abuse crap, just like the sliding. That's why I, mm -hmm. I don't like this FPS ping either. But mm -hmm. I'm just putting my faith in CIG to hopefully they balance it right. They'll get it right. Yeah. Good point some talk about uh, weapon wear. So here we're going to see a simulation of a weapon getting more and more worn over time. Um, we're going to expand this beyond weapons to uh, uh, other FPS items like your armor, your clothing, your helmets. Um, in actual game, this would be triggered by weapon users, right? So the more you fire your gun, oh, thanks, the more it's going to get. And this is going to affect its efficiency. It's going to affect its reliability and it's going to make uh, reduce its resale value. Um, each item is going to wear it at its own rate and persist at its own rate. So you could have a, a worn rifle with a pristine scope or a pristine rifle with a worn scope. Check this one out. There you go. <laughs> so the geometry isn't the only thing they're going to change as your weapon wears. So here we're going to see a pristine um, Gemini pistol in the little window and a worn one in the big window. 
And you can see the visual effects. It's belching out smoke here because it's very worn, right? It's telling you, you know, it's time to get this one changed. And you should be able to hear the audio as well. It's, it's get growlier. Mm. <laughs> okay, on to some consequences. So just, it's not all visual. So we're going to stop in misfire. So the first thing is going to happen is you press the trigger, your gun doesn't fire. The second thing that happens in this video, you got, I hope, I hope you, you guys know what's happening. So he goes, and then he goes, click. That's the bullet getting lodged in the chamber, right? So we've got to fix it. So it's telling us to fix it. We're hitting the button, we're hitting the button. Our enemy's firing on us. So you've got some options. You don't have to fix it. You could holster your gun. You could pull out a new gun. Uh, you could use that new looting interface that Ines showed to, to grab a better gun. Okay. They have it in the game right now. You go down to the bunker and pull a trigger and nothing comes out. Get <laughs> wrecked. <laughs> yeah, you have to put the gun on the ground and pick it back up. Then it'll start shooting. Um, what I was going to say about this in particular is this, this leads to a conversation that people have been having right after the quantum gates came in and people were saying it's going to take 15 minutes, 20 minutes to jump across the system. What are we going to be doing? Guess what mm. you're going to be doing? <laughs> I like it. You are like you have your weapons down, cleaning your weapons, putting mm. your weapons back together. You have something to I, do. I, I I love the wear and tear on items. Mm -hmm. My hope is that my hope is that weapons are recoverable from that cycle. Right. Yes. My hope is not that I get uh, you know an a, an FS9 and it it has a permanent deterioration cycle that I can't recover it from right mm -hmm. like i want to be able to have my old bessie yeah right which yeah. is the rifle i like and yeah it gets wear and tear but then i can repair it and bring it back up to excellent level yeah and keep my same weapon for as long as i want to keep it as long as i'm doing that work yeah right uh but yeah I, absolutely this is what we'll be doing on those ships i'm while we're uh in quantum i'm hoping what they'll do is what they're going to do with the components remember they said when your components wear as long as you make that time to make the repair for them, you can keep them. But if you let them hit zero, that's it. They're trash. Right. Right. So if they do that to your right. right, and that, like you said, that creates a certain value to that weapon you have now, because you don't want to have to keep going out and buying these weapons. By the way, gang, you know, you know, here at Soul Citizens, we are big on this one model. If I've never made this the motto, I'm going. This is going to be one of our other models, other than peace, love, and soul. The game you play today is not the game you're going to be playing tomorrow. Okay. So if you're able to go to your um, your favorite armory place, your weapon weapon place, and buy 20 rifles and this, that, and that, that's going to disappear, y'all. It's going to take time for you to build that stuff up. And to your point, BBG, that's why having your weapons of choice may be valuable to you. And right. again, depending on the wear of that weapon and everything else, you're going to be taking care of your stuff. So when you're flying, right, Meg, when we're going across the system... People sitting here, what are we going to be doing? Are you going to be staring out the window? Are you going to be breaking your stuff down, getting it ready so that when you get where you're going, you're good to go? You know, that's going to be the thing. Breaking myself down. <laughs> Not breaking. You think I have an answer to that question. Yeah, yeah I know. It's going to be breaking the stuff down. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're going to be doing. Okay. Well, yeah. not, not also, only that, though, but you got the weapon modifications on your gun as well. You may have a certain barrel that you can't buy in store mm -hmm. that on your specific gun, it's on that. So you want to make sure you don't want to lose don't that. Or lose some optics, mm -hmm. extended mag, whatever 
uh, attachments you have on that gun. That's why it would be your Betsy BBG because that's like your main gun. You kit it out. You lose that, you're going to run your ass back to make sure you get that gun because the mods were so hard to get, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right, right, Tracy, right. That's exactly, exactly. Craftable? So again, Mick? Will that, will that stuff be craftable? That's a very good question. You know, one of the things, someone mentioned it here about a repair shop. You guys know on the Carrick, there is a repair shop on the Carrick, and people have often wondered what that little room is for. And that could be what a room like that is for, for you to be able to go in there, the tools and things you need to be able to do repair right there in that room. Can you sit in the pool room and do it? Maybe, I don't know, you know, but the Carrick does have a repair room and maybe there will be other areas and ships to do that. Now, to your point, um, we're already seeing that CIG is leaning toward that crafting thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. Started out with the multi-tool, you know, and, and now we're see they've been talking about crafting more and more. The question will be, where can it be done? And I don't know yeah. can, if you can do it on a regular ship or do you, like, I don't know if you knew this, Meg, back in the day, and maybe you've seen it, um, one of the things that you used to be able to buy for your hangar was a workbench. It wasn't called a repair table, it was called a workbench. Geo remembers this, it's a, it's a, yep. it's a subscriber flare. And yep, they, I got one. And they said that the workbench was gonna be a place where you could work on and repair your stuff. Now, does that mean crafting too? Maybe, but once you get your persistent hanger, that's gonna be the place where when you go, you can go down there and do all your stuff on your own workbench in uh, in your hangar. So they are allowing for us to be able to do that. Well, you gotta find the blueprints for certain stuff too as well. Yeah. That's for crafting, How yeah. rare are the blueprints for that weapon? Yeah, if we start getting into crafting. I don't, I don't know what degree, you know, I. I CIG has just kind of told us they are thinking about or they want to do certain things and we'll have to see to what level if like you know we know they talked about blueprints like Geo said in relation to building your your bases and stuff like that but like you said they may also go to the level of weapons you know things like that but we'll have to see where they decide to go with crafting and more often than okay, not they think like us sorry go ahead BBG go ahead BBG no, no, say more often than not they do think like the 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 gamer base right they mm -hmm. they and they think, well, if we do crafting, what have been the weaknesses in games that we like that have had crafting and how do we avoid those, right? And then how do we do something that's uniquely us, mm -hmm. right? And then to Jared's point, how do we take it and make it real and then back it off and keep it cool and fun, right? So yeah. I think they think about all of those things. So I expect that if we do get a crafting mechanic, it will have, it will be unique to CIG and it will... There will be some of that thinking in there, like, like how do we make sure that this doesn't allow some small group to create some meta of meta, mm -hmm. right, by themselves, mm -hmm. right, versus um, it being integrated into the, all these mechanics that they're showing us today yeah. on, on this screen right now, so. Good point. Um, also excited to see what the, that looks like. I know we're talking like weapons and stuff like that, but armor as well. Um, mm -hmm. What that looks like with purchasing too, like, I'm kind of starting to geek out more and more. I'm not going to lie. Just thinking about the future of the game. Like, it's going to be really hard. Like, you're talking about, it's not going to be the same game. So, like, if, if you start off with no armor, what does it look like? What can you actually afford? Yeah. Armor that already has, like, it's susceptible to radiation. Like, it's already damaged. Because that's going to be cheaper. What that looks like in your gameplay. Because now you have to battle that in order to make enough money to get some better armor. Yeah. Um, yeah, stuff like that. I, yeah. They talked about armor with wear and repair at one point. Um, they haven't talked about it in quite a while, but just like there's, they're introducing this thing with weapons, I'm assuming, Meg, that armor is going to be that same thing too. Just taking care of your stuff, you know. Um, the economy is so fake right now, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have real world impact for us, right? 
it's very easy to make money and everything else. Uh, but I talked about this when Elite Dangerous, uh, when Elite Odyssey came out and a flight, do you remember how much it was BBG for a flight suit? It was something like 50,000. It was some crazy amount of money mm-hmm. for a flight suit and people went crazy. So imagine if like a flight suit now you pay 2000 for it and that, and that's fine. I've got no problem with the price of 2000, but what if, how it ta- what it takes to make a hundred thousand dollars now it's cut to the same amount of work it takes to make 10,000, you know, now all of a sudden you're not buying 10 flight suits at a time. You're maybe buying one and a half, <laughs> you know, cause that's right. all you can afford because you got to save the rest of that to buy your gun. Otherwise you just, you can't even buy a helmet. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to balance the economy. So it gives us a, a, you know, an economic engine that, that makes us first of all, want to make money. And then secondly, we have to spend it because the worst thing they could do is make it so that money's so easy to make in the game that now we become bored, but you also can't make it so hard to make money that you can't play the game either, you know? But they'll strike that balance. That, that's that's their thing to do. Features that's tangentially related to wear, and that's the dirt accumulation. So here again, we're gonna see a simulation of dirt accumulating over time on the, on the same rifles we saw before. But in the actual game, this would be based on your activities and the environment you're in. So if you're running around in a sandstorm, you're rolling in mud, uh, you leave your gun outside proper storage, it's going to accumulate dirt, and that's going to increase the rate at which it wears. So the, the dirtier your gun is, the faster it will wear out. And this is true for other biome accumulations like uh, frost. So let's take a look at this one as well. Oh, or not. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so in the future, it's going to be really important that you keep your guns clean and repaired. Uh, I'm now going to welcome Zach on stage, and he's going to talk to you more about the FPS weapons. My P6, Thank you very boy. much. I love that P6, boy. I wonder <laughs> if being out in like snow and rain will affect my gun as well. Interesting. Good point. Hello. Well, they said, they I'm said Zach Frost. Frost so I'm a senior maybe. FPS game oh, yeah. I'm here to share some of the new interesting FPS things we have to bring you. So if you play modern shooters, you'll have noticed the quality bar has gone through the roof in recent years. Things from visual recoil to VFX, just overall general weapon feel. As you know, we recently did a pass on our weapons to get them a bit more up to speed, but we just we couldn't hit that quality bar that you know, we really wanted to. Because guns are violent in nature, and we couldn't portray that as much as we wanted to. So we made a new tool. And it allows us to show the violent nature of weapons while you know, creating greater weapon-to-weapon variety. You know? so, and they, this new tool also integrates better with other systems. For example, you just saw like wear and dirt and things like that. And I'm extremely proud to show you the new weapon recoil. So this is the old P4. It kind of falls a bit flat. You're not really getting that like oomph that you want. But you've probably shot this a million times. Now the new P4, it has these nice little bop downs and you feel it getting close to the camera and the overall aggression of the weapon is a lot more there. It feels a lot more visceral when you fire it. This new tool gives us granular control over the movements of the weapon. So essentially what we have in one of our tools now is almost an animation tool where we can control the rotation and the location of things. So this is the old PA SMG. This is the new one. And in general, it's bringing the house down now. So recalls are just, in general, easier to tweak now. And they're a lot more impactful and we can create weapon variety in a 
just far new, more and interesting ways. Cool. Is that Karna? Okay. Thank you very much. Um, cheers. Now we can better control recoil because mm. we know the. We path. also have new procedural animation over our ADS. So previously, as uh, if you play right now, we basically have a linear pose-to-pose -pose transition. And sure, it's there, but you know, now we layered some of this procedural stuff on top. So for example, even SMG, it can come up a lot quicker, it can flick up, you feel really cool. LMGs can be a lot more heavy. So before it basically just do, you know, move from pose to pose, but now we can like keep it longer down here, bring it up slowly, and overall it just feels like you've got an LMG or it feels like you've got an SMG. We're just using things like, you know, ease in and ease outs and just give more life to the overall weapon. Oh, there we go. And we also have new iron sights. So sci-fi weapons are chonky. They're full of detail. They look really cool. But a lot of that detail can potentially get in the way sometimes. So you've seen this is a change to the Kana where we have raised the weapon sight and given what we call the target acquisition window more room to breathe. So if you're aiming at somebody, you can just generally see a lot more. So optics aren't a crutch anymore. So you can see this on the Ravager. And you can see As a Karna user, custodian. I think that's an incredible touch. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very good touch. Yep. Now, weapon functionality changes. So as you imagine with the new recoil tool, we're going to do a pass on all the existing weapons. They're going to look and feel great. But what, you know, while we were looking at our weapons, we also realized that some things don't necessarily, you know, align with their manufacturer, right? You look at something like a Gemini pistol. Now, Gemini overall is rule of cool. Like, that's what Gemini is supposed to be. So the LH86 pistol should be fully automatic, yes. realistically. So we have a video to show you of the pistol. And as you can see, it goes ballistic when you fire it. I love that. The magazine that. count has also increased to allow for that just crazy feeling that the pistol gets. Cool. Cool. Thank you, you very much. Let's do that now. Other right. bullet casings. And Moving on mm -hmm. to our new vault weapons. So, oh. I'm sorry, what did you say, Meg? Oh, sorry. I, I asked if the uh, bullet casings do that now. Yeah. I mean, oh, in the game, like, oh, they don't come out like that now. On the yeah. LH-30, it, it's single fires right now. Gotcha. Nope. Yeah, I, that's why I said, ooh, I can't wait till they do, it does do that. Because I, I used to do the arc light all the time, and then I changed over to the 86. But it's... um. You know, it's it's single fire ballistic, but if it's doing like that, oh my god, I'm gonna like that. Do the video. That's the optic one. There you go. Fine. Uh, these are the vault weapons. So vault Can't is primarily this. based around controlling the heat of a weapon. These weapons have the potential to overheat, and if they overheat, you will be unable to fire. And they will enact differently. So some weapons will just basically be beams from the get-go. Some will go into beams. They see this one goes into a beam once it reaches a certain level of heat. And it's really fun because, you know, these are quite powerful weapons. And you basically want to manage the heat and, you know, uh, keep it in that, like, ideal spot. Okay, cool. I can't wait to get that. I'm an Aztec and lover. I love shocking folks. Now, this was shown yesterday, but I want to dig in a little bit more with this one. So... <laughs> so, to get our, if anyone plays a modern FPS, they know that optics are just gorgeous now. In, in all modern shooters, they look fantastic. And as you can see, we have 
zoomed in optics in the center. So we have, and then we have other things like parallax, like you see in real life. And they look gorgeous. And, um, so in general, all our sights and scopes have been overhauled to be more realistic with things like parallax, pincushion distortion, and things you'd expect from having a scope in general. And it differs manufacturer to manufacturer, right? So some things are purely digital, some things are purely physical. So if you get hit by an EMP grenade, for example, we're using something like a television site, like something like um, Cluey might have, then your optic would turn off. Mm. Right. Mm. Thank you. What's interesting about scopes <laughs> is that, you know, you have the games that everybody plays, you have the battlefields and you have the CODs, mm -hmm. but folks that are really into FPS will call out games like Red Orchestra 2, mm -hmm. right? Um, they'll call out games like, um, oh, you know, I, I've been in so many of these conversations with folks that are like, listen, if you want to do a scope, look at this game. And it doesn't seem like one game has solved for this broadly. Mm -hmm. It seems like people want to bring pieces of different games and, that, and their experiences. Uh, and so I like that CIG in this moment is going, let's review all of this and try to and iteratively improve on all of this. Mm -hmm. But my guess is this is probably step two of six steps that the game will ultimately take before minimum viable retail release in these areas, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because there's so much nuance and sensibility around recoil, around scopes, around scope glint, mm. around parallax, um, around um, sniper uh, drop-off, mm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, all the all the detail right. uh, around um, uh, sighting in right? Uh, your scope, all, mm. all that stuff. Um, and I'm excited that this guy and his team are as excited as they are. <laughs> um, but I think these changes right here would just bring CIG in this area up to like average, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's a lot more, I think, a nuance to, to do, but it, it is it is very welcome in my mm -hmm. view. Wait, so you, you think the FPS in uh, Star Citizen is average right now? Yeah, I think I think it's it's well. Listen, it all depends on what server I'm on. <laughs> okay, that, that's a good. Okay, if it's running smooth. Okay, so like when I was when we were at CitizenCon, it felt pretty smooth, it, and yeah. I was like, dude, this is one of the best because I'm an FPS like nerd at heart. I, that's my favorite ever since Golden Now when I was a kid, and this is one of the best first person shooter feeling games out there to me when it's not jank the servers right, right? right um and they, they really i feel like they really got it honed in because they got a good balance of between like realism and like having fun arcade that's why i kind of like battlefield is kind of in, in between because if you look at the like the armors or, or like squad you know a lot of people say they want realistic you know gun gameplay but i'm like you look at my friend list like y'all say that and I don't see y'all in these military sims because it's right, very hard. Like right. squad, mm -hmm. there are no markers. Mm -hmm. Like you shoot your, like, there's so many times I shoot my own teammates in squad mm -hmm. because it's so realistic and hard mm -hmm. and you don't know where anyone's coming from. Mm -hmm. So like I, I play a whole different play style versus what I play in Battlefield. But Battlefield just has like, like well, the older Battlefields. I don't want to say the newer ones. Mm -hmm. It had that perfect balance to me. And I feel like that's where Star Citizen is going as well. Yeah. It, I, to be I think that's a fair point. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, BPG. Go ahead. I, I, was, I think that's a fair point. It, it, for me, 
I don't necessarily want armor or squad. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. um, but what I, but what I do think I want is a little bit of, um, uh, systems development that forces a little bit of specialization, right? Like right now I grab, uh, a sidearm, I'll grab a primary weapon, I'll grab a sniper weapon. And there's nothing incentivizing me to become expert in any one of those particular areas, right? Whereas if there was some more detail, say, in the sniper role, right, and the sniper weaponry, right, and if there was a real skill to and practice required to sight my weapon downrange, to manage for the weather, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, manage for uh, drop-off, all that stuff, then you might have folks who come along with you when you go out on a mission and they're a sniper because they're a sniper. Right? <laughs> that makes sense. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. I would like the I would like the mechanics to drive that a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I know before before I stopped playing, it didn't it didn't feel like I it mattered what gun I brought out. Mm-hmm. It could be an SMG, right. it could be a rifle. It didn't matter because I feel like I was gonna wreck with any class, I, I do want that, like you said, like if I've got an uh, LMG, I, I want to be weighted down. You got to be used in certain areas to suppress. I can't just run around running gun. Mm-hmm. I need to be weighted right. down with an LMG. So yeah, you're right. I would love to see that in here. Okay. And weapons are ultimately as only good as they sound. I'll be quiet for this next bit. But as you know, we've done a lot of work on our audio propagation systems and just in general how guns sound. We've also switched out some noises and made them feel a a lot more beefy. I remember hearing this in the theater and this sounded so damn good. <laughs> I need whatever sound system they had. Fantastic. I swear. <laughs> I think all of California heard us there. Um, so, backpack reloading. In real life combat scenarios, you often grab magazines from other surplus areas. I want to simulate that in our game. So, To show you this, we have something called Backpack Reloading. If you run out of ammo in Star Citizen, you have to open a menu, put things on. It's a little bit clunky, it's a little bit awkward. So if you have magazines in your backpack, you will now be able to grab them at the price of a longer reload animation. You will also be able to tell when you have a backpack reload coming up because it will be displayed on the inventory with the backpack symbol. So there's no surprises, no catching up. You have all the information you need. Now, with the history and of Star this Citizen, has shown, and it's first and a little bit the dynamic rings. crosshair. Now, no well, more third-party well, uh, dynamic crosshair. Well, crosshairs. If I'm watching Griff do backpack reloading, will I see him do backpack reloading? That's a good question. It's one of the first areas in which we're you're getting away from like the real animation. The hand waving. We'll right. have to wait and see. It'd be kind of cool if we actually do see it. I hope so. I love seeing people take their guns out too and put it up. Like, and it just doesn't go away invisible. If you see someone whip that bad boy out, you guys see the animation. For mm-hmm. it. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you have a look at this, this is our new crosshair. 
It's a crosshair that fits the aesthetic of Star Citizen. It's a crosshair that follows the barrel of the weapon, so you'll see exactly where a bullet is going to land. And it's projected from the visor using AR. Some visors won't have access to this crosshair, but some will use modified combat lenses. Mm. So if you don't want to use the crosshair, you can just use a different visor. As you can see, That's it works with recoil. Motion sickness. <laughs> like seriously, my fiance well, deals with motion sickness and I'm like, I was worried until they said that it's mm -hmm. like helmet based. Mm -hmm. Looks gorgeous. Problem will be when your favorite helmet has it and you don't want it. Cheers. Yep. <laughs> and onto more data things. We're going to provide an improved PVE experience. The accuracy calculator for NPCs is coming over from Squadron 42. Some people have been playing it in the venue in here, and I've been harassing them, whoever's doing the hangar mission, to get their feedback, and it has been overwhelmingly positive. We also have new NPC archetypes, what we're temporarily calling the Juggernaut, which is basically a very high damage resistant enemy that has an LMG or a shotgun. As soon as they see you, they fire, they walk up to you. Mm. And overall, it's been playing amazingly. And I'm really happy for you guys. Well, I'm really excited for you guys to get your hands on it at one point. PvP. We want to increase the time to kill. This allows for more varied weapon balancing. You know, we can lay into like sort of a different aspects of the element more. It leads to higher skill ceiling and less unfair deaths. It will no longer be a game of whoever shoots whoever first. Speaking of which, yes. force reactions. We're reworking them. We're aware it's frustrating, and we are going to rework the system to work beautifully. And we're also working some other highly requested PvP changes. I'm very happy to say a lot of this work has been dialed in for Squadron 42. is in a very good state, and we're bringing this to you soon. <laughs> now, over to the AI director, Fran, to share some exciting updates on combat AI. Hi, everybody. So I'm Francesco Rocucci, as you said, and I'm the eye director in CIG. It's a great pleasure to be here with all of you guys. It's fantastic. So what we're going to do today is to explore how we, all the work we've done for Squadron 42 is going to flow into the Star Citizen experience. So we wanted to make the eye presentation about how you guys are going to experience the tech and the features we have been working on. So from the player perspective, you've seen how many new opportunities you have. And now it's interesting to see how the NPC are going to react to that. So the goal of Star Citizen is to build a breathing and living environment where your actions matters and the NPC you will find in the universe needs to have the same opportunities and same limitations that you have. So when we play a game, we want you to spend the time that feels memorable, that feels special, right? Something you can remember and talk about. So we want you to give you a challenge to overcome, but also a challenge, a challenge that is fun and doesn't feel repetitive and boring. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the FPS encounter, we want to build variety. We want to give the designers, like Zach, the ability to craft combat scenarios, not just to put NPC in the level. And we need to make sure that he can tweak something such that he can experience the unique play style and the play space that you have. So Star Citizen can benefit from tons of unique environments. So for those environments, we want you to have different type of fun. So what we look at today is the sum of the tools that they have to achieve this goal and bring the eye to the next level. So the first tool we're going to look at today is the NPC trait system. So we spoke about this in the past, 
And we have now available for designers the initial set of traits they can use to influence their behaviors. So those are some of the ones that are available to the designers. Today we're gonna focus on the combat traits because we have traits that also apply to the peaceful situation and the social environment. But those are the ones that influence NPCs during a combat scenario. And traits, you can imagine them as characteristics NPCs have or don't have. So through the usage, we can make sure the combat feels different from one encounter to another. Traits in tech, tech-wise, are just traits and tags that we can apply to character instance, character classes, but code can also apply them automatically based on specific rules. For example, if you see somebody you know, with a rocket launcher, those will apply, an example, the, tr the sentry trait automatically because those weapons are weapons that work well arranged, so you want you know, them to not push forwards to you. So they allow to block or actually, uh, you know, they allow or they block specific section of the behaviors to run, but they also influence the likelihood of some logic to happen or they, are, they modify the outcome of specific actions. So let's imagine we want to model a pirate faction, something that you can actually experience in the pyro playground. So we want them to feel aggressive, but also not very trained. They are not very military. So how do we do it with the traits? We can start adding to this faction, either the aggressive or reckless trait, those are traits that increase the risky behaviors. So for example, fighting more in open space or expose themselves longer when they are in cover. We can then assign to some of those pirates the ignore fire obstruction trait. As you've seen, for example, in Chris Rain presentation during the CTG demo, like we have now destructible environment. So what the NPC will try to do is to keep shooting at the position the enemy has been hiding into. So you will see destroying the environment, but they you will also see them being less careful and managing their ammo. For others, we could use the undisciplined trigger finger trait. So this trait is, for example, meant to uh, convey the inability to control their weapon when they are emotionally engaged in the fight. And what it will cause is them to trigger the weapon much longer compared, or much, or, or, or you know, also just a bit longer compared to what the behavior is asking. So being bad at preserving their ammo means they will also run out of bullets much quicker. So this offers interesting opportunities for players because they can now shoot at them while they reload or while they scavenge the environment. So traits are building blocks we can use to define how character, faction, or encounter should feel. And designer can now create a, a wide variety of encounters for you guys to enjoy the game. So we want, I want to make a picture for you guys. So this is the bunker mission in Pyro, right? And we have a set of enemies that are defending the environment. So this is a, imagine an infiltrate and destroy mission. Those guys are there defending the bunker. Uh, you need to take it over. You need to uh, basically uh, kill them all. You are now fighting against enemies that they defend the environment. So before we go to the next slide, imagine the same environment, very similar enemies, but different traits, same behavior. So now you are defending an environment and they are aggressive towards the environment. They want to take it. So what you will see here is that created a mix of enemies. Some equipped with, for example, shotgun and aggressive traits. 
Now they will push towards you. They will force you to take actions and to react to them. They reload. Some will cover up. Obviously, this is with, with God mode on, so Zach was not dying. So this is possible to set up with a tick of a box. But this is not just enemies, because in Star Citizen, we want you to hire your own crew members. And those, those crew members, those characters, will have different personalities, different traits, different training level that they can build up. But when you look at their traits, we want you to see their strengths and their weaknesses, so that you can pick the one that either match your playstyle or compensate your playstyle. So one good thing that we want to show you today is the medic. So there are some NPCs that can carry, obviously, med pants, <laughs> but not everybody is able to use it well or wants to use it in a specific encounter. So we want to tweak this, and we have the medic trait. Here we combine a lot of the tech that we have spoken in the past, usable tech, you know, behavior tech. And as Jens showed you, players now can just not only kill enemies, because before our NPCs would just die. But now you can take them down, you can restrain them. So the hyperception is to carry all this information about the different actor states. So it needs to know if it's down, but if it's still alive, or if it's just, you know, somebody that you need to wake up. So a medic in the regular combat flow can, when it's safe to do so, and at the right time, attempt to heal his mate that can be helped. So now you can imagine guard patrolling the environment, you take down a character, the guard finds this, that, this body on the ground, he doesn't know if he's alive or not. So he can go there, he can check it, check the pulse, see the state, and if he can be helped, he can basically execute the right healing process. If he needs a med pen, he will use the med pen. If he needs to shake him to wake him up, he will shake him up. And if he needs to unrestrain him, he will unrestrain him. Your crew members can also do the same with you. So if you are down in critical condition, they can come and help you out. We'll see now an example of this, where two factions are fighting. And you will see that at the right time, when the guy retreats, this guy can go there and heal his mate. And obviously, he needs to pick up a new weapon because he just dropped it. So as we mentioned before, and as you've seen here, NPC can run out of bullets, but can also lose their weapons. So what we have to do right now is that, first of all, we want NPCs to have a concrete ammo pool to use. We don't want infinite ammos anymore. So the ammo pool is actually constructed by the ammos NPC carrying their weapons, the one that they carry, the one that might have, and all the magazines they carry. They don't have any more bullets out of that. So NPC must properly use those items to fight. And the longer the engagement, the more likely it is they will run out of bullets and they will have to scavenge the environment. How do they do that? It's through the, NPC, the usable system, as you've seen with Inesh as well, Inesh presentation. You see that anything the player can interact with, the NPCs actually can, the same exact way. So the dead bodies can be looted, same as dropped weapons. Ammo crates will have physically inside some weapons, magazines. They can provide you with items. And the NPC can understand where you can find ammos that are actually functioning with their own weapons. And they actually can decide. 
For example, if, they, if it's better to reach an ammo crate and gather some new ammo, or if that is too far or towards the enemy, they can decide to pick up another weapon. So you will see that uh, also already in, the, in, in Pyro, you might see it. And once they decide to do so, obviously they don't have bullets, so they cannot fight you. What they can do, they can also switch to their sidearms. And the sidearms <laughs> is less effective, obviously, from the compared to the primary weapon, but it is still better than nothing for them to protect themselves while they go around and they loot the environment. So we'll see here an example where some NPC run out of bullets. Obviously, in this video, we give them a chance to, to go and loot as well. And this is a proper ammo crate that allows them to get back magazines. And another NPC arrives, and he will loot the dead body. This is the same, the same dead body you might be able to loot, and you will not find ammo after that. But you will probably find it in the other one, once you kill it. So, last but not least, Another tool in the FPS arsenal is grenades. Grenades are a great tool. NPC can now fully react and use grenades in the environment. So grenades are a great tool, especially when uh, an NPC needs to counter a player that is camping or a player that is hiding or say in a location that the player NPC cannot reach. So grenades force the movement that keep the action going, but they're also very dangerous. You've seen in Ali presentation and Mike presentation that a grenade can make electronics explode, ignite a fire, and then the fire can propagate in the environment. So NPCs need to properly understand the environment and not jump into the fire and, and not get damaged. So how do we do that? Is we have a new full system to handle hazards. Basically, hazard on the technical side can create a navigation volume modifier, and the navigation module modifier gets registered in navigation system, and now our um, basically mesh can be modified and it will carry semantic about if that is a dangerous, something better, and how much costly it is to go through. Because maybe you have a suit that allows you to go through the fire, so that is fine. You will not, you know, the NPC can understand that. But if they can't, they will try to find positions that are safe for them to position themselves, but also paths that will avoid those dangerous areas. And I will see an example of that. You know, this is a safe environment, still fighting, but safe, safer. And what will happen now? Fire ignites and propagates. This is fully dynamic, so it, it fully control, it's fully controlled by the fire system. The fire system modifies volumes in the navigation system, and we really know where we can and not pass at any given moment. So this is a subset of the things that we worked on and we wanted to show you today. Thanks very much for listening. And now back to Jens. <laughs> right, I want to thank Inesh, I want to thank Zach, and I want to thank Francesco for joining me on stage today. Uh, we want to extend a massive thank you to everyone who contributed to, supported us, and made it possible to show what we showed today. Now, with relentless optimism, we're looking forward to bringing you this all to the Star Citizen and more. Okay, we're going to leave you with a, uh, a quick peek of a, a demo in Hangar 14 of Checkmate with some of these new features. Enjoy.
Yeah, Pops was saying in the chat, the depth of a NPC AI will be so nice. And I agree. I don't think that this, um, this panel has gotten enough attention, particularly when you're bringing together all of the different traits that you can turn on and off with NPCs. And then you're introducing other systems like fire, you know, just imagine going into bunkers and into hangars and having to deal with egress being cut off because fire breaks out or forcing fire to break out in certain ways that drive NPC behavior. All that stuff's going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to be, I can't wait. Started off by saying something that these that, that you know when you're dealing with gangs and dealing with non-military NPCs that they're not going to move with the military coordination that military NPCs would right? right. So I like that 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 differentiation right at the beginning. Yeah, let them be sloppy like the gangs versus like yeah. militias, sloppy and, militias and stuff. Right, and their aggressiveness might throw you off. Right where mm -hmm. uh, a military NPC, you you can sort of predict sometimes how they'll stay behind cover, move with coordination. If you got one of these folks with that aggressiveness trait, they might come at you in a way where you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's what I used to love about Halo, though. Halo, you had the grunts who were scary, right? Then you had like the the brutes or the elites. They'll they'll come run up on you and they'll take a lot of hits. Or you had the snipers and the shields. Like it was different. You know things they threw yeah, at you. That's exactly right. That Halo is a great example. Now, when y'all played the prior test, was it, um, I, thank you very much. I, 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 I will, I will tell you this. Oops. Sorry. And have a go at Hangar 13 in check in checkmate. It's a really great encounter. Thank you. I'll tell you guys this. Um, I just recently last week, I was with some folks in test and they were doing one of the bunker missions, the one where you've got to go and get the codes and go shut the thing down and everything. We went in and did that. They were in there for an hour. 
trying to push through that base, that thing. And when I got there an hour later, we couldn't get past the front stairs. The AI was kicking our butt. Um, I heard them mention about having the AI that's called a juggernaut. Everybody that was, I don't know if this was a bug or not, but everybody who showed up to go against us was wearing heavy armor. We were going through ammo left and right. And these guys were smart. It wasn't like the typical, like dumb, you know what I mean, AI thing. But we were in a populated server that was less than 30 people. I think we were like around 23, 24. So when, like you said, Gio, when the servers are running, you know, well, it was challenging. We couldn't, we had to give up on the bunker. We couldn't get in the bunker. And there were five of us trying to get down there. And after a certain point, we were like, screw this. This is just, there were bodies stacked on top of, <laughs> of bodies. Wait, so, this was on the pyro server or? No, this is in the game now. They did, oh, a, now? They okay. did a new push on the AI stuff. And we were down there checking it out. And it was tough. Now, I don't know anybody else, oh. if any of you all, other you all have had that issue or anybody else oh, who's yeah. played. I, 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 yeah. I definitely, they have definitely placed that juggernaut high caliber heavy weapon character in some bunkers. Mm -hmm. And certainly I, I, I have experienced new AI movement, um, NPC to NPC looting yeah. of ammo yeah. in, the, in the Siege of Orison tests on the PTU for 321F1 as well. So. That's what Jade, Jade um, is yeah, saying that they've got the AI. AI. Jade's saying they've got the Squadron 42 AI. And I know they said they were putting it in last week. It, it It's freaking a monster. I don't know if you guys have run into it yet, but. Yeah, it's really, it's really much, it's much improved. Mm -hmm. Meg, on, on a decent server. Yeah, Meg, <laughs> Meg, did you run into it? Yeah, I usually run bunkers solo, like all the way up to the high tiered ones. Mm -hmm. And man, I remember going in there and I was in a full set of armor the first, the first time I went in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I went in like four more times before I was like, okay, I, I can't, I can't, like, I cannot do this. Like every time full set of armor, guns, ready to go, mm -hmm. just getting blasted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was crazy. It's, it's... Well, I know, I, when I played the pyro demo mm -hmm. at CitizenCon, half, half of them were doing what they were doing on the screen. Mm -hmm. There were still some derpy ones that would just sit there. I just ran up on them and mm -hmm. like shot them and looked at them. But uh, I did love the, the reaction. It was working at uh, CitizenCon. At CitizenCon, yeah. Well, like, again, if you guys haven't done bunkers, and I know bunkers were kind of quirky on the patch when it came out a few days ago, but it if if you get a good one, especially if you see you're in a low-pop server, give it a try and see what happens. It would definitely challenging. Okay, listen, this next episode, we are already at the time. We would normally be getting ready to wrap up a show, but I do want to get through this second one, so I'm going to try not to talk as much. These guys can talk, but I'm talking too much. This one runs us about... 45 minutes so you guys know we've been running late longer than the last couple of weeks because we're doing sitcom obviously we love having you guys here but we do want to stay on track with the schedule i don't want to blow this off for another week because we got some more stuff planned for next week so we're going to go ahead and jump into this next one which is taking flight okay I feel like I heard Griff tell us to shut the hell up. No, no, no. You guys can talk. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop because I've stopped the show several times to say stuff. I'm going to pull back. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Hello, everyone. Is my mic on? Okay. Can you hear me? Fine. Uh, these are the wrong slides. Hang on. Well, hello everyone. My name is Yogi Klatt. I'm a principal vehicle programmer at Cloud Imperium Games, and I focus on uh, space flight and the um, and space combat. 
I really love my job, so this is why I'm really excited to show you the progress that we did on Squadron 42 I'll in the back. last two years. So there's two things I need to say here. First thing is, we're doing a live demo, and the build is about 12 hours old, so there is a good chance. <laughs> there is a good chance for, for bugs, which, um, well, if you see them, just, just look away. It, it would be fine. <laughs> uh, the second thing is, um, I'm not flying myself today. It will be Brent Gunzinger. He's using a setup of two VKB sticks, so left and right uh, HOSA setup from VKB, and he's also using the fantastic Toby device. So we'll swap through the presentation between using hat tracking and not using hat tracking. Um, yes, so, but the good thing is, the relationship between you and your starship, it doesn't start when you take off, it starts way before that. There's a lot of stuff we do now in pre-flight. Um, so please welcome back Ines Kaldas, who will walk us through that process. This working? Yeah. Okay. Hello, everyone. It's a privilege to be here back on stage to tell you all about the, what you can expect about the player interaction experience inside your cockpit. If you like, I've told you before how we've been working towards improving the player interaction experience all across our game, and we wanted to bring these improvements to what happens inside the cockpit. So we wanted to give you a greater immersion and. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, the slides are not, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, so you want to give you a greater immersion and have, and give you a closer experience to what pilots go through in real life, not only when you're flying around your ship, but the moment you take your seat at the cockpit. So to achieve this, we've created, a, when you enter your ship, you'll be put in what do we call a new relax pose. So in this pose, you'll have free look enabled, so you can easily look around the cockpit and your dashboard. <laughs> the prompts will be showing over the button so you can easily find the ones you have to interact, and you, the pilot, have to press all the different buttons to get your ship ready for flying, and the character hands will be lowered away from the control stick. So Space all of these yes. blends neatly into our new player animated interaction system, whereby any button is now physically pressed. So this new system uses what we call a CDIK approach. This stands for Code-Driven IK, or Inverse Kinematics, and gives full control of the IK setup to the code. So this, among other things, allows us to record the path of the hand relative to its target. So we can have more detailed animations than just simply blending the hand into position. So for example, we can open a flap and then press the button. But you know, enough of me talking, let's go jump into the demo and see all of this in action. So now. So Brand very kindly will get us into the ship while you'll see the new enter sequence. And you'll see the new animations we have been working on. So you can see now that you won't directly grab the control stick. You'll be put on this, this relaxed pose with free look enabled. And you can see the different prompts appear over the buttons. So let's get this show started and get your ship ready for flying. So 
Brian, if you could close the canopy so we don't go flying around with that open. Power our systems. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and finally, turn our engines. Yeah, so we are, you are now ready for flying. So we will be, be bringing all of this to all of our ships in our fleet. And that's all from me. So please walk, join me in welcoming to the stage Tony to tell you all about the Miu UI. That looks so much cleaner, less jank. Yep. Hi, everyone. My name is Tony. I'm senior UI programmer here at CAG. And I'm here to explain some of the spoilers that you saw yesterday about our new ship UI. So are you ready to see the ship UI in action? Yeah. <laughs> right. Bone, play the demo. The, I mean, Brand, continue with the demo. So, as you can see already, this ship has less intrusive UI with more space to enjoy the stunning vistas that planets can offer and less clutter views so you can focus during combat. This also means that the UI elements are now more relevant to the situation, linked to the operator mode. For example, when we change to scan mode, the crosshair has scanning information about your target and even the MFDs have changed. Some of these elements can be customized but we'll see more about that later. For this demo, we're showing the UI developed for this Gladius. Basic information related to navigation will always be available on your view, and this Gladius displays all of that with holograms. Do I need to stop it or we're okay? But other ships we have it. different layers on the okay. styles, on brand with the manufacturer. For example, the Drake that makes more affordable ships, rather than fancy and probably expensive holograms, may use physical screens, dials, and light indicators. This dashboard shows your current speed, the remaining afterburn, and some decoys available. On both far sides, we have status indicators that will show things like if your landing gear is on or any other flight systems. Worth mentioning that we have prototyped these for the demo, so right now they're holograms, but on the final design, these are gonna be physical screens. On the far left, on the top of the dashboard, we have the indicator of which master mode and operator mode are you on. So let's change that to combat and talk about these new MFDs. So we have reworked all of these MFDs from scratch with brand new views using our UI technology building blocks. We can still navigate through these MFDs using the classic mouse interaction, holding F and then moving the mouse. On the left here, we can see the scanning view, which is going to show information that you obtain when you scan a target. It may show information about the ship name, the pilot name, or even the current operator mode of your target, so you know if they are just chilling around or they are ready to fight you. Cycling to the left one, we have the target status, which will focus on emissions, damage, and orientation of your target. We'll see that in action later. The next one, continuing to the left, will be the self-status, which is contextual. So during navigation, that will show your current fuel, but during combat, like right now, will show information about your guns. You can click on the gun, and you can see basic information about that. You will see the name, and you can also see in which group they are assigned, which Yogi will explain later. On the MFT on the right side, we have the power management, where we can distribute the power of different systems of the ship. 
you can click on the triangle and move it around to change the distribution, and you can turn down the total power of the ship that will generate. The classic key bindings that you all know already works, so when you change the power management, you will see now a triangle on top of the radar to show you the changes. Now, instead of using mouse, you can also use key bindings to select MFDs and cycle through the views, which might be faster when you are in certain situations like during combat. And for those pro players out there, we have added about 100 key bindings, and I mean 100, to navigate through all of these systems. So you can fully customize how oh you want to navigate through them. Gotta reprogram your joystick. And I really hope that more than enough. Glad I didn't buy mine yet. Keyboard on your <laughs> yeah. or yeah. even your game Glad I'm waiting. But if you need more, just let us know. Anyway, I think you're not going to need even thus many shortcuts. For each operator mode, we now persistently save which views are shown on each MFD. So you can customize what's important to you for every situation. So as an example, during combat, you might want to have target information on your MFDs, but maybe when you change to quantum travel, have your current fuel, spend some time on the configuration screen, for example. Let's talk about this configuration screen. We're gonna have now here a variety of options from customizing UI elements to enable systems of the ship. We may see some of these later in action with Yogi. These settings are now available on this screen, not in the global settings of the game, for quick access. So just as a warning, expect changes on the settings that you already know, but we'll tell you all about it when we have it ready. And the important bit about this is that they will persist to your ship. So you can keep different setup of which UI elements and even ship systems enable for how you personally use each of your ships. Yeah, that's huge. CIG, please make it so we can change the colors, please. Now, oh, for people who have color blindness and stuff, help them out. Have enough MFDs. Can we enable the top setting? I want to make my interface red. Have like, like a little Sith chip. For those of you that you want to see even more information, you can now cast versions of these MFDs to your Why area. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're gonna be hiring people like I have you now. <laughs> have you now, Luke? For this, you're going to need to equip the appropriate helmet so it's connected to your ship and get, I can get all this information. You can use the key bindings, as I mentioned before, so you can select which cast do you want to control and how to cycle through them. So you can pin views that are important to you with, with your, that will move with your camera. So as you have seen, if you're aiming at the target or if you're moving with your head tracker, those views are going to be always with you. With all these tools, you can customize your experience and have it ready for every situation that you encounter with your ship, always displaying the relevant information to you. So for example, during combat, you may want to have all the UI elements enabled, all the pips, all the crosshairs, so the information of your ship on the physical MFDs, and maybe focus on the target information on your cast, so they're always on your view. But maybe when you go to quantum travel, you can turn those casts off so you can enjoy the vistas. That's all for me. Now we have MFDs ready, and let me bring Yogi back to tell you all about flying your ship. Thank you very much. Okay, at this point, our ship is fully, fully powered up, ready to fly. Pre-flight is complete. 
So Brent, please uh, take off, put the landing gear in, and bring us out. Have you seen the interaction? This is great, isn't it? Okay, so um, one of the problems we always have in uh, space games is to produce a sense of speed. Space is, is big, and the sense of speed is always produced by, you know, small things going around you. So although it's not very visible here, the VFX team has actually added space dust, so in the future you can tell where your ship is going, even, by out, uh, even without looking at instruments. Another thing we're focusing on as well is uh, G-force reactions. Uh, so Brent, if you could jump, come to a stop for a second. When your ship is sitting like that, and you strafe left and right, you have these small head motions uh, that basically make your head and your body react to the G-forces they're currently enduring. We're actually increasing them now. We also added rotational G-forces into the mix, so if Brent is now rotating the ship to the left, you also can see that your head is swaying a little bit. Things get a little bit more interesting um, when Brent is actually taking boost into the mix. So if we um, now boost forwards, we now added a camera shake, we added uh, FOV changes, um, and this all then plays together with the other things like, you know, the other exhaustion effects that we have. So overall, the ship should now feel be like they're a getting us ready for the haptics. We're going to wear at the house with the VR helmet. The same thing? Sorry. Right. <laughs> At the same time, we reduce the um, extensions that your uh, that look-ahead code is, does, uh, is doing. So um, we basically narrowed it down a little bit so it mixes better with GeForce reactions so that even when you don't have a head tracker or something like that, it will still feel uh, pretty good. But this is just a minor change. Um, we also improved the flight controls themselves. So take a look at the speed gauge, for example. It's a little bit uh, <laughs> twitchy today. What that speed gauge is telling you, the number that's currently moving, is what kind of speed goal Brent is actually putting in. If he puts his stick all the way forward, the left one, you will now be able to see and read the number that you're asking IFCS to speed and forward uh, momentum. This also allows us to bring back the uh, sticky throttle we had uh, pre 3.5, where you now, if you play with mouse and keyboard, you can press W and S to increase and decrease your speed and let go of the key and the ship will not automatically come to a stop. Of course, this is all completely configurable, so you can enable that or not if you want. Oh. <laughs> That's nice for Okay, Brian, give me some hard flying now, like uh, blackout and all that. <laughs> okay, so um, another thing we changed in the flight model is that we actually looked at the tricoding exploits. These are really important for PvP and racing. Uh, players among you, because tricording gives us a mathematical problem that we're trying to resolve. On some ships, when you tricord, you get actually up to 50% more acceleration. That huge difference uh, actually makes a lot of the ship difference meaningless, so we're cutting back on those. So um, the first implementation of that is already available in the master mode testing areas in 3.21, I think, um, but we're improving the um, algorithm right now so that it actually is, let, uh, is less punishing. Um, in future master mode builds. Uh, this is actually an, a, a current version, so as long as you go roughly forward, you get the full Gs um, from, your, from, your back, from your back engines. Okay, so now the biggie in the room. We're talking master modes. Master modes is by far the biggest change we're, we're doing on the ship gameplay. In general, all of your ships will be put into, or will get a master mode setup. And the master mode is affecting basically everything surrounding uh, everything on the ship. The ship itself, the, the, the flight model a little bit, 
but specifically the items and what they do. Um, and there are two master modes we're going to talk today about. One is SCM, which stands for Space Combat Maneuvering, and the other one is Navigation. So let's look into uh, SCM. SEM is the mode that Brent currently has um, has active. So you see the um, Brent. Can you go into the uh, indication, please, for the master mode? Just point with the mouse there if you can. Yeah. So this is your current master mode. It says SEM. When you're you use SEM for basically all the gameplay that is not traversal, so a combat, mining, salvaging, you're using it for that. You have full access to your combat system. Your shields are working, <laughs> your thruster boost is fully active, your weapons are working. It's the high performance, high alertness mode that you're in. However, we will heavily restrict how fast we can go, um, we, we can go with your ship. Okay, Brent, go to um, full max speed. So this Gladius on max speed and SEM can reach about 225 meters per second. That might seem slow compared to what you have in the pew right now, but it's still pretty fast. However, you can extend that speed. Um, Brent, if you just go forward and boost, so the Gladius can extend up to 500 me 550 meters per second. On this slide here, you can see the speed, uh, the speed spaces we're talking about. So if you're just walk, uh, flying around in SEM, which is like the max speed of your, of your ship, you can reach the 225 meters per second. If you boost, you can reach up to 500 or 550. However, that boost space is not spheric. That means if you boost forward, you reach higher speeds than if you boost backwards. That is really important for space combat maneuvering because, or for dogfighting in general, because it discourages backstrafing, it actively actually punishes backstrafing, and it creates more interesting combat maneuvers. Um, the PvP players among you, they basically call this uh, encouragement to closing the gap, which is basically more forward-centric combat, which is much, much more exciting than backstrafing and just trying to get some shots on. It also forces you as combat players to, uh, to commit to the decisions you did earlier in the fight. So it's gonna be, uh, we think it's much more exciting. <laughs> okay. So in short, you pick SCM when you need to fight, when you want to fight or when you need to fight, right? Um, the thing with the master mode switches is that they do not happen instantly. They take a while to move over. So um, we're now going to put our ship into uh, the second mode, which is navigation. So navigation mode is basically the opposite of SCM. What uh, this does, it gives you a high-speed, low-performance mode. Your shields, they will collapse. Your weapons will not be able to fire. Your defensive systems will, will not be functional. Um, but you have higher speeds. So in nav mode, you can still speed, uh, reach the speeds of uh, what you have currently in the PU is something, I mean, depending on the ship, sometimes 1,000 meters or 1,400 meters per second. Um, but all your regenerative systems, so regenerating uh, the weapon capacitor, your thruster boost, will be inhibited. So this means when you want to go fast, you need to be very, very careful when you want to swap over. So imagine you're in a fight and you want to escape. You should not do it right away because if you just swap to navigation mode in the hope to flee, you're being left with no shields. And the first thing that will go offline when you are hitting with distortion guns is the quantum drive. And that is important because the quantum drive will spool automatically up when you enter nav mode and it will then unlock the higher speeds. So this means when you're in nav mode and you're fighting, you're very vulnerable, so you should get out as fast as possible. Luckily, <laughs> navigation mode not only allows you a higher speed, but also 
gives you access to the new quantum travel experience, which we're going to show in a, in a minute. So that is an off point that you see there on screen. This is the uh, point where I want to go to in quantum travel to. Before we do that, I need to quickly explain what this is about. So currently in the PU, when you quantum travel from A to B, you're actually not, not really moving. You're going on a spline, and you're teleported in every frame along that spline. So there's basically no, no meaningful gameplay we can add there. The new quantum travel experience is fully physicalized. Physics is always on, which means when you quantum travel from A to B, you're actually accelerating using our awesome physics engine. And because it's physicalized, it, give us, it gives us a lot more meaningful gameplay we can, we can play with. So Brent will start the quantum travel in a second. What will happen then is your quantum drive will initiate the jump. You will see an effect that distorts the space around you, and you will accelerate forward. During the acceleration process, and this, so this is the time until you actually reach your cruise speed, the ship will experience forces, and you as a player, you're responsible to counter these forces. So there is an element of failure. Okay, Brent, um, let's show that. And take your hands off. This is my first time seeing this. <clears throat> <laughs> so what you nice just demo. saw is basically the failed attempt to quantum travel. Mm. Brad wasn't countering the forces, therefore he was thrown out, the, the quantum bubble collapsed and threw you out. Your ship doesn't like that. IFCS needs five, six seconds to recover from that, during which time you, uh, you're, just, you're just tumbling, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, so, and this is not just uh, like dependent on your, on your skills. If you think selecting a proper quantum drive doesn't matter in the future, <laughs> think again. You want to take care of your quantum drive, you want to repair it and keep it in good shape. So if you buy a cheap one, your travel will not necessarily be faster, but it might be harder. Okay, so Brent, show us how it's done properly. That looks amazing, dog. It's getting ready to go into cruise. The bubble is locked. You can now go hands off. Now it's cruising automatic. Wow. Yeah, people ain't gonna be running away like easy no more. <laughs> but I like that if you don't set a lot, mm. then you can drift out. I like that a lot. You gotta be there okay, first so to set there's it, a second variant of quantum and travel, and this is for short-range jumps. Sometimes you jump somewhere or you go somewhere, and you and you see the next point of interest is like 1,200 kilometers away. We're not gonna force you anymore to travel that by hand. You will use a technique called quantum boosting. It's a quantum-based short-range jump for like something between a couple of hundred kilometers to like 30,000 kilometers or so. When you use quantum boosting. The process is practically the same, but the quantum bubble will not stabilize itself, so you need to be hands-on for, for the whole Navigate time, the whole and the speeds are naturally 
well, slower, but it's not slow, it's still quantum traveling, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Brent, can you boost to... Uh... Oh, reinforcement needed, yeah, let's go there, let's boost. Oh, actually, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so what Brent is currently um, <laughs> showing here is, I think I forgot to mention, quantum boosting works in every direction. You don't need nav points. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Brent is awesome, thank you. Okay, so now, please boost to reinforcements needed. So if there's enough points and you boost, your quantum travel system will pick that knife point to go to. Welcome to Pyro 3. Nice. As you can see, there's a lot of UI happening right now. There's a lot of context there. And this is not an online demo, it's a single player. So that means all these units there, <laughs> they're friendly and hostile, so they're probably fighting with each other. Which is a good segue to talk about AI improvements. And there's <laughs> one man who can tell you all about AI. This is the man with the nicest legs at CIG. Well, please welcome Diego Marti Mason. Nicest legs. I mean, did they have a contest? <laughs> <laughs> That planet is so beautiful, man. Ooh, so who's excited to see the new AI changes? Hi everyone, as Yogi said, my name is Diego Marti Mason and I am the AI programmer focusing on the fly combat. Over the past year, we've been working on delivering a thrilling experience to the AI encounters. Let me first walk you through our journey. We first started looking at the current AI behavior in the PU we quickly realized how uniform fighting was and how we were not using all of the tech available to us to make a more interesting experience. We had the foundations and we wanted to learn more about how you, the players, do your combat encounters in the verse. So we did this by getting combat recordings, analyzing videos and internal playtesting where we were hammering each other for hours. It was fun, unless you went up against experienced fighters like Bayer. Anyway, with all of these data, we started crafting the first prototype with the focus of bringing that human behavior into the AI brain. When the first version was ready to be tested, I handed it out to one of the best internal pilots in the team, Yogi. So Yogi, what do you think about my first prototype? It was an exercise of humility. <laughs> it was an exercise of humiliation. <laughs> I hated it, and I blame Diego. <laughs> <laughs> so this was due to the AI being able to keep a good range control and a perfect orbit around their target while maintaining a constant firing solution. Come on, it's a computer. We learned a lot from our initial prototype, and it really helped us to define what we wanted to deliver. A combat experience where the AI yet challenging makes mistakes, just like us humans. We want players to leave every combat encounter with a feel of satisfaction by encouraging you to keep on the move and make use of the vehicle systems available to you so you can at least try to win the fight. Let's see how we brought this new iteration of combat to life. We broke down in multiple stages. The first one, interception. Then the main engage phase, which we broke in different tactics, strafer, Jouster, 
JSON. And finally, disengage. Ooh, Let's switch to the demo. As you can see, Brent has encountered a skirmish. Let's talk more about the combat flow there. Okay, we will start with interception. After acquiring the target, the primary aim is to close the gap with the target. If the AI is already near the target, the interception phase is skipped completely. If it's too far, it will tell the AI to use the new master mode to swap into navigation mode and make use of the full speed to chase. Swapping back to SCM mode when we are in a striking distance. That leads us to our second phase, engage. Here the AI selects an adequate tactic based on combat environment. These are choosing via the traits and tactic selector system. You've heard more about them in the previous talk by Francesco. So let's talk about the strafer. As this is a six degrees of freedom game, it's the natural combat shape adopted by pilots. We have to relate to the same behavior to our AI, ensuring also that orbits are close and adding variations to include rolling. Strafers will break combat if they cannot keep an orbit. So now we see how the hammerhead is being attacked by hornets. These hornets are jousters. Jousters consist of performing straying attacks whilst outputting a lot of fire forward, blowing through, smooth turning, and repeating. We added variations for the more skilled pilots, like a skip roll attacks that provide a spider-like fly path. Jousters are also good at monitoring for back strafers, so if they cannot get into strike distance, they will just break. And finally, the chaser. Now, Brain is going to get there in a second, but the chaser is going to be the Cutlass, which is following one of the Hornets and is allied with the uh, Hammerhead. Now, we are really far, far away, 10 kilometers. So the chaser, it will try to always stay on the target six. The idea is to force the target into a defensive stance by making them turn into the changer. This maneuver will be seen mainly in squads and atmosphere combat. The final phase, which can happen at any time, depending on the combat situation, is disengage. This phase is triggered based on constantly listening to multiple events in parallel. To name a few, critical health, damage to shields, or weapons depleted. There is also a shorter version of disengage that we call pace breaks which occurs during long periods of combat due to fatigue, nature of the combat encounters. These space breaks are short, and the main objective is to perform a simple maneuver to gain a new advantage position and strike again. This new flow is what encompasses the core of our new AI fly combat experience in combination with AI traits that will give designers the tools to tailor each combat encounter in the verse. Like, for example, they can choose the ace trace that will allow AI pilots to make use of all of the ship's angular velocity so they can keep a more precise orbit. So for some of you out there, it's going to be a good challenge. While we've been, while we've been mainly focusing on fighter behavior, we've also started to follow the same process to other ship types, like gunships and capitals. In the near future, we want to deliver an experience where going against a capital ship like an Idris is a tough fight that unless you bring the right combinations of tools, meaning ships that are equipped to take down capital ships, you will get demolished by their powerful turrets. Now, after all of the feedback, in our first internal playtest, we've received a lot of constructive and positive feedback. And Yogi's not longer being destroyed by the AI, so I think he likes it a bit more. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoy the new AI.
And back to you, Yogi. Man, AI is getting down. Thank mm -hmm. you, Diego. Okay, so now we're going to talk about, uh, we heard about how AI makes my life hard. Now let's talk about how to return the favor. We're talking weapons. <laughs> so, the weapon and aiming systems and squadrons, they went through a lot of changes. I can only mention a couple of them, so I will go through them relatively quickly. First thing on our to-do list is basically weapon tuning. At the moment, almost all weapons in the PU are practically the same. In squadron, that's not the case. Almost all weapons have different properties. Uh, they're being, they have like different projectile velocities, different DPS numbers. But they're not just um, different in terms of these numbers. They also, they also feel different. Remember the Cinch cannons from like a couple of years ago? They were, <laughs> they were very powerful weapons, but they were extremely easy to use, which, which made them meta weapons. So we're going to bring the Cinch cannon back, but we make sure that the amount of work you put into these cannons in order to employ them is on par with the other guns. So there's a lot of stuff that we're going to do um, to make sure that we, like weapons have very, a lot of pros and cons um, and avoid uh, meta. Specifically for this build, Brent is equipped with a nose, uh, I think a close and a laser repeater. Can you fire it once? Yeah. And the other weapon he has is a, uh, he has um, two weapons on the wings, which are um, Gats ballistics, uh, sorry, Gats, Gats cannons, uh, size three. With one push, they're actually firing two. So we're also gonna have uh, burst weapons um, and so on. Okay, cool. So a problem we have in space games is controlling the engagement ranges because we want to bring the fights close. But the problem is that, well, <laughs> how do I put this? Um, weapons usually, uh, in order to bring them close, what the games, game does usually do is they just restrict the ranges. Like in the PU, uh, a lot of the weapons have exactly a range of 1,400 kilometers, which means often the fights occur at 1,399 meters. Um, this, is not for, this is not a good um, way for us to control the weapons. Um, and we, just, we tried out things like damage fall off so that uh, bullets get more damaging the closer you are. But the problem there is how do you communicate that to the player? So we're going to do a couple of different things with that in the future. Let's see when the graph comes on. Okay, so show of hands or show, which of you has an Ares? Okay, I got, I got as rid an of Ares pilot, you might uh, know the following problem. You have a target. You're going to aim at it. Um, and then you... Um, this is... What the... Okay. <laughs> I need to go back. Okay, there's actually some stuff not, not there anymore. I don't know. What happens when you aim with your crosshair on the, over the pip? Um, is that you actually not aiming at the pip. The legacy system gives you a pip which does not show you where the pip, where the weapon needs the pip. The new aiming system actually produces the pips based on where the weapon sees them and reprojects them on the target. That means the aiming information you're getting is actually much, much more precise. And uh, this is a very interesting, um, sorry, I said the completely wrong thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm nervous, okay. Controlling weapon ranges, sorry. I'll do it now, sorry. <laughs> I like how the crowd had his back. Yeah, like you gotta hit him reset, okay. reset. Yep. Okay, controlling ranges. Yeah, slides the future, were messing up too, All the though. weapons will get much, much longer ranges. Size one weapons will fly to up to five or six kilometers before the despawn. The way how we do this, wait, 
the way how we do this is we're adding spread. Because spread is for us is a very good indication on how to control the ranges. This is not a one-to-one -one, uh, relationship there, so don't worry, you won't get like spread with like 20 degrees uh, offset or something like that. Don't worry, <laughs> right? But if we compare the spread of the, uh, spread of the weapon with the target size, we know when the weapon is in range. We know when, the f uh, when you actually are close enough so that the majority of your hits can hit. And we're telling that. We're telling you that via the, um, via the aiming system now. So, friend, let's go back to the demo. If you get a green tip and a green crosshair, it means you have a high chance of your weapons hitting, hitting the target. If Brent takes a little bit of a step back and waits until the pips and the crosshair turn red, this does not mean that the ship is out of range. You can still hit it, but you might waste bullets. Um, this also has the benefit that, I'm not sure if you saw that before, but if you look at how many, how many bullets are in the air, you're actually getting a lot of bullets, uh, uh, a lot more bullets, and it just looks a lot better. Okay, Brent, just, just kill these guys now. Bam! Oh, well. <laughs> okay, so... Um, that was the, this one. Okay, the thing you might have seen is that um, Brent has, is loaded with size 3 guns on size 3 gimbals. That means we're removing the M-1 system. That <laughs> <laughs> the reason for that is the original intention of like controlling the performance between joystick and mouse players just didn't work out and the new aiming system is flexible enough to deal with these differences. So we're just removing it and keep going. So, next point, pip grouping. If you have different weapons of different, with different projectile velocities, you will get different pips. Because merging the pips makes no sense for us anymore, because the weapons are going to have vastly different projectile speeds. So if Brent, for example, enables all the weapons now, you get separate pips. So let's talk a bit about pip optimizations here. And this is the thing I messed up before. Again, who is an Aries? <laughs> if you aim at your target, you get a pip, right? Your Aries owners know that. You aim at the pip, you shoot, you miss. And this is because the pip is not being shown where you need it. In the future, we're actually offsetting the pip where the weapon sees it and then reproject this onto the crosshair. Like that. And when you then hit, you hit. No, when you then shoot, you hit. Um, and this is, of course, also communicated by the aiming system, so when the, when the pips turn green and when the, uh, when the crosser turns green, just shoot. Okay, so now to the actual best part. We cannot take down this hammerhead. It's too big for us. We need to, but we can cripple it. The weak points on the hammerhead are the turrets. The way we're going to do this in the future is with precision targeting mode. Brent? Enable precision targeting mode? There we go. Mm. What this does, That's it does much. three things. You get this full zoom on the target. Um, you get a lower RPM of your weapons, which increases or decreases the spreads for more precision. And you get the painting mechanic. Anywhere where you put your crosshair on that, on that ship, it will tell the gimbal system where to aim at. So if Brent now attacks the turrets, your aiming system will automatically lead the shots. 
Nice. Bam! One turret down. Hate to be in the turret. You got smoked out. <laughs> okay, so... This hammer had now understood that it's not good. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have stand a chance right now. But this will be the way how you in the future will, will the uh, fight um, against sub-targets and so on. The good thing and about it, this, it also works and even got without for this demo, by the painting way, the target directly, so you can take do out very, very precise warning shots. Um, and, and there's no aim assist that kind of like destroys your aiming processes. Okay, so the fight is now over. Sorry, I need to rush this a little bit because I messed up stuff before. And you're gonna look at Pyro 3. Okay, Brent, switch to nav mode and bring us down to that landing spot. And if I was in that turret, I'd be unbuckling my belt trying the to get Pyro out of that bad fellow. <laughs> it's a very big planet with a nice atmosphere. And, um, that zoom in precision oh, targeting so mode feels like a little luxury, though. Oh, well, like, I'm something not sure how useful that is when you're possible. under fire. <laughs> <laughs> I said gameplay demo might have bugs. <laughs> okay. Let me go there now. Okay. Yeah, steeper angle that works. Okay, so the, um, the thrusters on your ship. They do not like the. Uh, they do like the vacuum of space. They're well, we're talking spaceships here, right? And we have thruster efficiency curves on the thrusters. So at some point, especially the MEV thrusters, they will cease working because they don't like atmosphere. They will overheat very, very quickly. So there's the question: What happens when you go down to a planet and you want to rotate your ship with your thrusters off? Well, we'll see. Can you go to external view? Can you waggle your tail? Okay, back first person. Okay, so what you see here is the aerodynamics model. Because obviously our uh, left stick is somewhat damaged or so. <laughs> we can't be as fast as we want. Um, actually, Brent, can you try a W and S on the keyboard instead? Oh, it doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yep, okay. No, the stick is, uh, is, the stick is uh, affecting us. Okay, anyways, we're going to go down as much oh. as, uh, as far as possible. So the new aerodynamic system is a complete replacement of the aerodynamic system that you currently have. And you need, um, you need your control surfaces to actually uh, turn the ship around. It simulates the airflow over your lift surfaces, and therefore the slower you become, the less effective those uh, control surfaces will be in order to turn your ship. So we can demonstrate this. So if Brent just sits here and yaws left and right, you will see he cannot go f uh, further than that. That is in line with what real airplanes uh, also experience when they're trying to use the rudder to your left, uh, left, uh, left and right. So what Brand can do here is he can roll and he can pull to actually change um, his direction. Uh, to bring in a real atmospheric flight, that's cool. That plan looks so beautiful with them clouds. Okay, so just for this demo, we added a button. The button is called Thruster Disconnect because um, at the moment in the PU, when you go through a planet, you're using the thrusters to rotate. Mm -hmm. We're not doing that anymore. So Brent, disconnect the thrusters, please, and put the ship into a purposeful stall. A stall happens when the airflow over a wing ceases, um, or over a lift surface ceases. And then at some point, you will not have any authority anymore 
and your ship will not turn and so on, and you will basically fall out of the sky. That is naturally a state that every plane wants to avoid naturally, right? And this is happening right here. Brent is not able to, uh, to use the control surfaces right now because mm. the ship is in a, in, in a process of stalling. However, the airflow will pull the nose back into the wind, and once you have enough speed, he can actually, well, he, he gets authority back over these control surfaces. That means for you as players, what you, could, what you can actually do, you can do aerobraking, you can do pure gliding if you want to. Uh, you can even do like competitions like, I don't know, like drop ships out of orbit and then see how fast far they glide. This is all possible with a new system. So let's talk about the problem. How do you come to a stop now? To come to a stop with a new system, you need to purposefully put the ship into a stall. But don't worry, when we don't have the thrusters disconnected, IFCS will help you. So you're gonna bring down the speed more and more until you're reaching stall speed, which is about now. And then the thrusters will kick in and, and catch you. That means, however, you are now in a state that the thrusters don't, don't like, right? So at the moment we have turned this up, but in the future you will not be able to hold this for long. So if Brent, for example, now from a hover, strafe is left, more left, more left, more left, the wind flow again pulls the ship over, and you go forward again. <laughs> okay, so now, Brent, now show us uh, how to come to a uh, hover, and uh, do we have some water here? Oh yeah, there's our point, okay. Okay, so there's our landing point. Can become a little bit slower, I don't know, 100 meters per second. So we're trying to land somewhere here. Whoa, look at this. <laughs> Yeah, that water is great, like, awesome. Okay, so now we're coming to a, uh, so now Brent will try to uh, land with a broken throttle. <laughs> and yeah, he's aided a little bit here by, uh, by the landing gear, so he has landing gear out, I think because that uh, automatically enables precision mode at the moment so that you're a little bit slower, but you can of course like turn this off as a player. And then you come smoothly down to a landing. The best way to land your ship is in decoupled because you can just like very smoothly land it on the surface. Look at and that vista, look at the mound, look beautiful. And now you're gonna power down the ship using the new interactions. Engines are first. Then we're in the relaxed pose again, as Ines showed before. Power off. And the canopy off. Uh, no, open, not off. Don't, don't put the canopy off. <laughs> <laughs> and get out of the ship. Don't blow the canopy off. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably go for a swim or something. 
Swimming confirmed. Okay, that was a bit of a buggy, bumpy ride, but um, thank you for taking um, the time with us. Oh, that water, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you in the verse. Thank you. Good old Yogi. Okay, let me uh, start on the far end. Meg, I'll start with you on this one. Anything in particular on this one with the flight stuff that you're digging? The UI. Someone said it earlier. I don't remember who said it, but mm -hmm. I am curious what that's going to look like with other ships. Obviously, like their focus on Squadron 42, so the Gladius was the most shown thing, but definitely excited to see what that looks like. I remember going from watching that to going back home and playing, or even just like the Pyro playtest, I think, and mm -hmm. seeing how cluttered the screen is like it's there's just stuff mm -hmm. all over your screen you can't actually enjoy like the vastness of space which you know i mean if you're actually like on a, a moon or planet or something like that it's better than just looking at stars like it's i don't know it doesn't matter but yeah it's yeah that's gonna look a lot better excited to see what that looks like with other ships if that's gonna come or maybe it's only for military ships or something i'm not sure but um that and can't remember i think that was the biggest thing for me personally. a lot of the other stuff went over my head i'm excited like i got to go check out master modes a little bit in arena mm -hmm. commander mm -hmm. um that was very interesting to test out um i don't know if i like or hate it i'm just ready to get used to it um yeah but yeah so yeah a lot of this stuff went over my head but yeah i'm, I'm excited the, the flight model has always been a tumultuous thing within the community you know it's like there's times when they get it like where everybody thinks they're almost right and they'll do some changes to it and then it's like ah we don't necessarily like that but then we get used to it <laughs> then they bring some things back there were some cool things in the ui that they talked about that they are going to bring back and i do think that the master mode thing is a huge change and i i think like you said it's going to be one of those things that we need to really get in there and try it before we make a a big decision about whether you know it's on point or not wow d seth seth from test squadron best thank squadron you. thank you for the thank 10 you. community gifts us if you guys got some love from seth be sure to give him a big thank you for that we appreciate that seth um know, geo what about you is there anything in particular with this flight when it stuck with you uh, Meg took mine. What was uh, the UI, UI and just like the ship interaction with the buttons? Like we gotta have space DCS. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty excited about that. But the second one was the the atmosphere flight stuff because mm. um, I love atmospheric flight just as much as the space stuff. Mm -hmm. And seeing that actually come in the game, hopefully soonish. Um, I can't wait to test that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. BBG, you? Geo just took mine, so. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 I have a lot more questions now, right? Like I'm, I'm happy with a lot of the stuff that I saw. Um, I look forward to testing master modes, um, you know, not just by myself and the Marine commander, but in, in situations, right? Mm -hmm. um, look forward to doing that. Uh, and, you know, I, and, and there's been chatter in the chat and other places around what it means for control services and atmosphere flight. And I even took a shot, like, show me the control surfaces on the mole, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, Jade and others have raised the point that a lot of this has to do with, and I'd like to see CIG challenge themselves on this to say, listen, you know, we made some ships that aren't necessarily as aerodynamic as others. What will work? What will those ships require yeah. in order to be able to go to a dense atmosphere? For example, like, could you take a stock mole 
uh, or a stock, any stock boxy shift that isn't aerodynamic mm-hmm. and take it to a high density atmosphere. I'd like them to challenge themselves by saying no, right? Like the way you would counter the lack of uh, aerodynamic function is you'd need to have all elite industrial components at the A level uh, to be able to provide the thrust to even have a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to say that every ship in every configuration ain't for everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and to be okay with that. Right. Like I, I, I think that that would be very interesting. I think some ships are far more configured and, and you can see it when you look at them for atmospheric flight than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might have ships that are not configured for atmospheric flight that are much better functionally in space yeah. than some others that are better configured for that. So I'd like them to, as they ultimately balance this thing and lean in, um, to not pervert the idea of control surfaces to make every ship okay in atmosphere. Like we can look at some ships and go, that ain't flying in most atmospheres. Well, all the, all the capital ships are screwed in atmosphere. Yeah. I'm real interested with that. Yeah. Cause none of them got wings. Yeah. I mean, wh- right. wh- well, what you can do, and I mean, the, the, there's a balancing thing that you can do, like you said, and it may be either components or fuel consumption, right? You know, obviously right. the more, more aerodynamic you are, the, you know, obviously you can take advantage of the environment, you can take advantage of air. Um, but when you've got like an Aurora or something that has, you know, there's no place surfaces for air to pass over, then now you've got to burn way more hydrogen, you know, in order to sustain a certain level of standard flight. Uh, we've already talked about to Geo's point, you know, uh, big ships, like it, for those of you who have an 890, you know, an 890 is tremendously fuel efficient in space. <laughs> but going in and out of atmosphere, you got to have big, deep pockets. You know what I mean? Because you're burning, you're burning fuel like crazy going in and out of atmosphere. So that's in the relation to just you know entering and exiting atmosphere. But to your point, BBG, when you start talking about performance and flight, you know there should be some struggle. You know I remember back in the day the eight eighty five X because of its short wings, it does not have a lot of place for air to go across it. And when you're flying fast. It's okay, but when you slow down, there should be some instability in it, you know, uh, unless you're going to compensate, you know, obviously with thrusters. So we'll see what they do. You know, this whole thing with thrusters, the master modes, UI is all really good new stuff. I think we're all pretty excited at seeing. Um, but again, trying to figure out this balance between the future and gameplay and what players can get away with doing. Uh, I, I know, oh, there's Jade there. I was going to say, you know, Jade and I always talk about in the future. Technically, we should just get in our ship and talk to it. And that's about all we got to do, smoke a cigarette and get there. But, uh, you know, what levels that they want us to have interaction so that we don't get bored, that we're engaged as players. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they balance it out in in the long run. That, that's basically what it's going to come down to. So, um, okay. Well, we made it through all of these uh, episodes. It's uh, a quarter to the hour. Um, and you guys have hung in with us today. We really appreciate that. Um, we do want to kind of give you guys a quick update on some things that are going to be going on. So stick with us for just a few more minutes. Um, let's see. Um, BBG, would you mind talking about, uh, soul talk and, uh, Meg, soul talk. Meg okay. would you talk about voices and I'll talk about next week? Yeah. Soul talk is hosted by uh, fast card FC, uh, who along with Griffin gaming founded the soul citizens Thursday nights, 9 PM Eastern standard time. And, what we do there is uh, we spend a lot of time on the uh, the happenings of the week, right? So uh, Fast Cart will go through 
the sneak peeks. He'll go through the, the roundups. And uh, lots of times you'll see Soul Team members there, but he uh, and, the, and, and this session invites everyone uh, to click on that Discord link and come in and talk with us about what's happened during the week. So Soul Talk, Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Come hang out with Fast Cart. I'm there sometimes, myself and others. Mm -hmm. Meg, can you do voices for us? Yes, so Soul Voices, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Kind of the same thing, not really. You guys can also come through. Um, we'd also love to hear your voices, talk with us, join Discord. Mm -hmm. um, correct me if I'm wrong. Voices, is that where we talk about ISC or is that Thursday? That's Thursday. You're close. That's, That's where Thursday. we talk I'm about sorry. Spectrum and Reddit with me. Spectrum and Reddit. My apologies. Yeah. I get the two mixed up. I know. <laughs> I need to be there Thursdays and Saturdays. <laughs> You're streaming on Saturdays. This is the way you can come over. But maybe we'll get you to drop. Maybe we'll get you to drop in. Maybe we'll get you to yeah, drop. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, y'all definitely come through on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern time. We want to hear from you, and we want to see y'all in chat. Absolutely. And last but not least, um, next week we're going to wrap up CitizenCon, covering uh, the final two sessions. Really excited about those. We'll be here next Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, covering Living on the Edge and Destination adventure which i really can't wait to see that one i didn't see either one of those so i'm looking forward to seeing both of those um we've been having some great reviews we've been reading you guys in chat but thank you guys for all the great comments and ideas that you're sharing hopefully cig will see some of them uh, but we appreciate you guys being here uh special shout outs to everybody here bbg where can people find you well, uh, they can find me at Big Black Gaming everywhere, at pretty much every social platform, but they're also going to be able to find me at that virtual bar citizen that I know you're going to talk about as well. So, yes, thank you uh, for reminding me. Folks there. Thank you for reminding me. Geo, where can people find you? Uh, sub Geo everywhere. I've been uh, uploading YouTube videos lately, and hopefully on Black Friday or Saturday um, this coming week, I'm going to try to get back to streaming. It'll be my first time playing Star Citizen and God know how long. Ooh. So hopefully some of y'all can help me out and give me a tour. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be failing, fucking up, and I can't wait. Oops, sorry. I'm messing up. <laughs> uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a good time. Crashing. I'm about to order some sticks. Um, Let's some, go. Some verbals. I don't know when. Those ain't going to come in on time probably. But um, uh -huh. yeah, it's going to be a fun time. I can't wait. Okay, awesome. If you haven't liked, followed, and subscribed to Geo and Meg, uh, you're wrong. So get that happen. <laughs> and last but not least, Meg, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at I am Yo-Yo Meg or on Twitch at Yo-Yo Meg. I usually stream from like 4 to 8 p.m. Central Time during the week. And then on the weekends, all the time. All the time. Unless I'm on Soul Citizens. <laughs> then come catch me on Soul Citizens. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm gonna see how long I can, I can do the streak. I'm like six shows in a row right yeah, now. I don't roll. know. I think I'm on next week. I might not be. You're on a roll. But... I, think, I can't, I think you are, but we'll find out. But you've been on a yeah. roll this month. You've been covering November sure. all the way across the board. Okay. Real quick. BBG did also suggest that I uh, remind you guys, we do have virtual bar citizen coming up. This is not far away. Um, December 2nd, Saturday. Uh, this is where we do our virtual bar citizen online global. Folks from all over, Germany, Asia, North America, UK, everything. They come and hang out with us. We have people from the uh, from uh, CIG that come and hang out with us. We do giveaways, trivia, great conversation. You get to bring your food and your snacks, hang out with us for four hours. Two sessions, one starting at 12 p.m. Eastern time. For those of you over across the pond, 
in Germany, Asia, Australia. That's the time we would love to have you join us. Uh, and then we have a second session at 5 p.m. Eastern time, and we want people to come and join us then. Four hours each time, there's only one registration. All you gotta do is hit that code, take a picture of it, snap it, get it off of our Twitter. Make sure you register. This is done on Zoom, so you just can't show up. You gotta be able to register, be able to get access to come in, hang out with us for that full day. If you wanna come to both sessions, you are more than welcome to do that. But we really hope you guys can join us for the Virtual Bar Citizen on Saturday, December 2nd, weekend after IAE, okay? Right after IAE, that following weekend, we're gonna be doing that. So that's about it. Uh, we are getting ready to set up and set up a raid. Uh, we're gonna send you guys over to Marcus The Way. Don't forget to check us out on social media. Don't forget to check us out with all of our merch, grab some stuff there. It really helps support. To those of you who um, followed today, thank you guys so much for being here. Um, Jim Pasta, to answer your question, do you think players will finish Squadron 42 and be citizens? That will be an option. Some people, believe it or not, do not want to be a part of the UEE. They want to be on their own. And CIG has said that there will be an option for you being able to tell where you're going to go. Um, so anyway, let's wrap it up. Marcus the way, send some love over there. Let them know you came over from Soul Citizens. Thank you for that. Commander, not an NPC. Appreciate you for that sub. Thanks again, Seth, for your <laughs> subs as well. As always, you guys stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves. Peace, love, and soul. We'll see you next week. Ciao.